here for another episode of the Group Up Podcast, and the Avengers have reassembled. It's been a while, fellas, but there is lots to discuss today. We've got Microsoft Takeover, Bobby Kotick leaving, new season 7 of Overwatch, K-pop collaborations, and I couldn't think of a better squad to talk about that last one in particular than the ones assembled in this call. So let me introduce my guest in the bottom right. It is Mindplex owner, Samito. Samito, what's up? Ah. <sighs> Glad to be back, SUV. It's good to see you guys. I miss you guys. You know that. Like, what we we always cook them around here, and I I definitely definitely miss the the conversation that takes. I'll have some takes on K-pop today. So I'm oh, sure. Oh yes. I'm <laughs> turning my camera off whenever that happens. You guys thought like <laughs> shit talking Mercy was a bad idea on the internet. Wait till you start shit talking K-pop, and then I'm, I'm literally <laughs> I, turning I my say, camera off. I'm not I didn't associated. say I was gonna shit talk K-pop. I didn't say I'll have to. That's we'll, true. That's we'll true. That you may be a, a secret stand for all we you know. Maybe Samito is the one shit talking others. All right. Yeah, well, in in the bottom left is my man Flats. Flats, what's up? Hello. What's up? I just woke up not that long ago. Here we are. Greetings. No, no better way to start the day than talking about Overwatch. Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. All right, and maybe, good for once. Good for once. Good for once. And to round us off, in the top left is Frito. Frito, what's up? Hi, everybody. Fighting off a cold as well, just like SVP. I think it's a group up requirement, a quota that someone's sick on the podcast. We've got two out of four this time, but we'll fight through. It's true. We'll, I, I always find the energy comes back the more the rants start happening. You know, like yesterday I was streaming and I was trying to be like, I'm very low key. And then some guy just started saying some dumb shit. And I was like, oh, I got to go off on this guy for a minute. Yeah, Give me a second. Yeah. Classic. So it's always how it goes. It's how it be. So, I mean, we've got a lot to discuss, fellas. But before we get into it, I just want your general thoughts. Obviously, you haven't touched base in a moment. So give me your opening feelings on just the general feeling around the rush right now. Season 7. How do you feel? Happy? Unhappy? Optimistic? Pessimistic? And then after that, we'll, we'll head into like the Microsoft discussion. So, Sam, give me your take first. How are you feeling about Overwatch at the moment? Um, I didn't play much seasons five and six, I don't think, but season seven is definitely been, I like the somber changes a lot. I think the, the somber rework actually has me wanting to play it more. And there hasn't been a hero like that. And I guess, cause you know, you could say Sojourn wasn't really like in my role. I played her a little bit, but like the last DPS that I felt like was a hero that actually applied to my main role was Echo. And that was over three years ago. So <laughs> It's it's nice to have a like a hero that like I'm s supposed to you know in quotations right be able to play like that was in my role that I actually enjoyed and I think that like it I honestly think it was the best rework they've ever done in Overwatch so I, I really enjoyed Sombra I've enjoyed I enjoyed playing Sombra uh, the skins are cool um, playing tanks not fun um, I've been trying to get rank one combined this season and 50 wins per roll is hefty. I'm going to finish the battle pass before I'm even eligible. So I, I would hope they would look to maybe diminish that at some point or add decay if people are camping leaderboard or something else. But man, 50, 50 parole is a lot. And that might be a very niche situation for me. I don't want to, you know, casual players aren't dealing with that. But um, supports are too strong. And I'm hesitant on roll passives, like in general. I saw you had a take on it, and I, I agree with you. I, I, don't, I don't, I'm not sure if I'm on board with roll passives anymore. I, I think it was a cool idea, but... I, I just don't think there's any possible way to make them be fair. Like Hanzo still doesn't have one, you know. <laughs> like, like, yeah, it's just it, it, in the way the game is set up. I don't think that there's a way for roll passes to be fair. But other than that, like these are all very nitpicky things. Like, you know, I've kind of been tuned out really, and I, uh, you know, I don't have any huge, big problems. It's like ah, I'm not gonna log on ever again and just you know never play the game. Like it's it's all right, you know. It's 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 a season. It's here. It's not <laughs> it's, fun. <laughs> 
it's all right. It's a season. It's here. Flats, that glowing review. How do you follow it up? How are you feeling at the moment about season so, seven? So I'm going to preference this all by everything of this is before I hit the Q ranked tank button. Once that button's hit, everything fucking goes out the window. But until that point, um, very pleasantly surprised. Probably the best content season we've gotten so far. I would say, honestly, better than last season somehow. Um, and last season was supposed to be the big one. Uh, this is also an off-hero season, so like a map season. And I would argue it was probably the best map that's been released. Um, I like Samoa. It's beautiful map, but plays well, fights well. I'd say it was better than Antarctica. Um, I don't know. What was the other uh, map that was released in Season 5? I don't remember. Was there a map in Season each well, Pedanza right? and or then no? Flashpoint, yeah. Oh, it's Flashpoint and Flashpoint. Yeah, yeah, So, um, so I would on my opinion so far, best map that's been released uh with the game that wasn't at like launch. Uh and it's not even close. Uh content wise, uh I think Siegel so Pete Siegel played the Halloween mode with us. Uh he was a little disappointed because he expected a little bit more out of um uh like the depth of the new game mode. Which I kind of I kind of see is I kind of agreed with his point on that where it just felt like you're fighting like super beefy bosses, but the rest of it like the power ups the like all the stuff that was like built into it like that was really cool. If it was a little bit more fleshed out and if like they had time because it you know might have been a little bit rushed, um, if it was kind of like last year's Junkenstein event plus like all the cool abilities and all that stuff like that they added with it that would have been honestly like knocked it out of the park for me. I still enjoyed it, just wasn't to the same level as like what it probably could have been. But um, stuff that they get implement for later, and I think I saw a bunch of like tweets and posts around that. They're like they learned a lot from it. And they're like, oh, you guys actually like game modes like this. Like we'll keep doing it. And I think Overwatch has always been at its best when it does like the goofy shit, you know, like the goofy April Fool stuff or those the goofy creator patches. Like that was were always some of the most peak fun Overwatch stuff. So that's been really good. Um, as a streamer, they 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 brought back like better drops. Like they the the shitty drops days seem to be mostly gone. They were coming back to like actually giving stuff that people want. And then we also had the shop event where you could buy old skins that were shop skins for credits. Uh, it seems like they're starting to become more. Uh, uh, what's what would be the word? Like they're more okay now with like doing credit stuff because like. Credits for the longest time, like the stingiest shit, you know, like, oh, oh, yeah, you know, play for 52 weeks, you might get one single skin, you know, an Overwatch one skin. But now it seems like, you know, they're kind of leaning into it a little bit more and giving more free rewards, which I think is really, really good and important because, like, there's a lot of free to play players that obviously miss out on that stuff. Um, there was like that hint of like the shop rework or something like happening in the dev blog, which that dev blog was fucking awesome. I don't, I don't want to say, like, I even, I was very much like, oh, like, let's not get on the copium train too early. Uh, but it seemed like it was just, like, you felt heard, right? Like, it's like all the things we've been kind of talking about recently. Um, so I'm, I'm actually pretty high on the game at the moment. I think things are good. But that all stops the second IQ rank tank. That goes out the fucking window. Because that is fucking awful. Um, as long as you're not a tank player, I think you're having a lot of fun. <laughs> nice ride mirror the other day, Flats. You, you won that time. You no, you literally were beating me. I just, but I understand I, the thing. The difference is, Sam, is I learned that it's not about <laughs> making plays. It's about standing there, not doing uh, anything. I'm gonna make a play, even if I lose the game. We're gonna. You almost punched me off the map on Eichenwald. I was AFK at my keyboard, and I heard. Tip, tip, 
I'm like, what the fuck? And I had the charge and a punch. I was, and like, like uh, I, I held up. I can roll. Which point? I don't. On second. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I was, was just oh, sitting on I the was... cart for three and a half minutes, not doing anything. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I was literally AFK. Like, I was, like, picking up my drink, like, looking at my phone. And then I heard oh, the we, punch. We mental boomed like, that game. We, we mental boomed that game. That was a flank on Doomfist coming in. But it's okay. <laughs> Okay, These two having here. battles in ranked, Frito. Are you? There's is, no other is... tanks queuing. It was just me and him for nine straight games. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually just me and Sam for nine straight games. It was awful. Well, we, we neither of us had fun. Monitor. We had, we, well, we had, well, yeah, you're right. It was, well, yeah. Well, uh, are you joining the ranked queue there, Frito? Are you, are you going to be the third tank in the pool or is tank doomed? How are you finding season seven? Well, I'm not good enough to get up with those guys for sure, especially playing bad tanks. Like, I, I've been grinding the game a lot. Like, I think I'm kind of with flats and like the direction seems to be like solvable. And I kind of give him a little bit of a pass because when the game first came out, they gave tank all these new toys. And then tank was like, wow, this is the Overwatch 2 version of tank. And then they more so focused on support. And now support has all these extra escapes. They've got all the extra off tank utility basically now. Like, you know, maybe you miss bubbling your Reinhardt as Zarya but now you can bubble it as Lifeweaver, and there's all these other cooldowns that they got. So the support role's fleshed out, okay? The mechanics of support it, is set, I think, now forever, more or less, because there's so many options, regardless of how it's balanced. Now I just think they have to go the other direction and kind of level it out a little bit. And because because tank is a joke. Like, Flats should not be sitting here telling you, oh, I just AFK in front. And I, I've been trying to tell my tanks as a support player, just Behind. believe me, I'm on BAP, okay? BAP is ridiculously overpowered, Stand there, protect me, I will hit you 100% of the time, I'll manage your health, and they'll just whiff, give me ults, and we'll win every fight. Like, it's ridiculous what you can do as support. Um, and I wish it wasn't so strong, because I don't like waiting 10 minutes in queue. <laughs> Excuse me, oh, a little sick, cough queue up there. Uh, but, but otherwise, like, the game, it's very technical now, that's how I feel. And perhaps a little too technical to the degree of double shield-esque. Like, we're still not quite out of that, it was worse last season. But part of that, <clears throat> I enjoy because you can, like, pick apart the positioning. It's a slower game, which I like it a little bit slower. Not this slow, not like Bastion slow, but <laughs> uh, enough to be able to, like, feel out the abilities that are in play. That's the, the kind of Overwatch that I succeed better in, uh, as opposed to full dive, where it's, like, all mechanics and, and everyone needs to outskill nonstop. That's a little too rough for me personally. Uh, though, you know, I prefer when some of those heroes are more relevant, but so that's the general meta thing. I do want to point out on the, uh, them in the blog post gave a response to the feedback of the mini Diablo 4 mode, and they seemed almost surprised that players would be interested in a replayable PvE mission, and I think possibly they might be onto something here. I mean, this is Blizzard Entertainment. They are the kings of RPG games and MMO games. What if they stopped adding heroes for a while and just focused on Overwatch 3 and made a dedicated PvE game, a full one? They could make a Diablo adventure mode endlessly replayable. I mean, Sam loves Borderlands. He's always telling me about <laughs> Tiny Tina's. It's like his favorite game. Did what if they made like a Tiny Tina's version? No, I haven't. I played 3, though, a bit. But what if they made a Tiny Tina's version of... Uh, they could have pickups... You can, like, get different grenades, right? Each hero could, could pick up different things on the map and get progressively stronger over time. This could be a winner, guys. This could be the next Overwatch game of the year. Overwatch 3. So, uh, 
I, I, you know, I don't know why they wrote that. I don't know why they respond because they felt like we're back in archives. It's like, this is the same thing they said in archives in Overwatch 1. It's like, I was here. I still remember. <laughs> Let's not be optimistic about the, the, the mini RPG thing you put in. Okay, a bit, a bit cynical, but like, I think it was the best PvE that we've got so far. Uh, but that's a sad, uh, you know, reality that it is better than the story mode that they made, that they put all that extra time into. And I don't know what to do with that. Like my dream for that PVE is like, what if they started small and it was like COD zombies and they expanded it at its own pace as opposed to building it out, wasting all that time. And so I'm, I'm interested in what they go with that next, but at the same time, it's like not had any impact. It's like, there's not really anyone besides Overwatch players that even know about the Diablo crossover event and how it's like decent. Um, so I didn't even yeah, know I, <laughs> they know from yeah. the controversy was, was, is it is it still up was, was, was there was controversy I, 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 yeah I, around I, the bundle people were oh, big I mad the the, uh... right around yeah, the skins nobody's talking about the game mode the, right it's, yeah, it's yeah, always yeah, monetization is it still up right now the bundle uh, no, no the, the, the game bundle, mode the I game yeah, I it'll it, be so, like I might go check it out. I had yeah, it's it pretty out. much just a workshop plus game mode. They've had boss fighters in the workshop for years, so it's it's not reinventing the wheel. It's it's like really obvious stuff. Like gems pop out, you upgrade your character. Literally, workshop creators made this exact thing, and people played it. There's you know a workshop or custom game community in this game that that like those. So it's not revolutionary Tiny by any Overwatch, means. But maybe bring it back. <laughs> right, you love Tiny Overwatch. Right. Yeah, I, I have a question. <laughs> Go, go ahead, SPP. I don't want to interrupt you. I was going to say, but overall, Frito, you uh, happy, unhappy? I think we're in the positive direction, basically. I think they're, like, aware of the problems, and I don't know what I can ever expect out of them when they seem to really want to get data for certain things, but we've highlighted the problem before, and I think the delayed reactions or something? Like, what's what's the balance strategy we would say they have? It's like, they get data from the previous season. Oh, Bastion's underperforming. Then they add new elements, new character, big buffs to Life Weaver. Oh, wow, now he's amazing. Like, that should have been obvious, in my opinion, uh, that that's the, the trajectory it would go. And even when we look at heroes like Orisa and look at her win rate, it's like, it's kind of tone deaf to the reality of what playing that role is and missing the point, pretty much. Like, the when they just look at win rates of heroes and they're trying to shift them, well, let's make Tor better. Let's, let's you know, whatever character you want to add in there. Um, it, they're making all the same mistakes as Overwatch 1 in the last few months, but now I think if they address the things they said in the blog post for the midseason patch, we potentially could rein it in to be reasonable. Um, I don't know what that is exactly, but that's the direction I think they need to go next. And... The game may be more playable. Like, it's always nice to play the game and it feels like it's getting more playable as opposed to the last season where it's like, wow, yeah, the changes they're making are clearly making it less playable and less fun and, and rewarding the wrong things. And I say this as a player who plays a lot of the cheesy characters and likes to exploit <laughs> playing Torb or whatever, some some easy pick. Um, so yeah, that's that's my opinion. Yeah. But I, I think I think they're, they're moving towards the right direction. I think especially with the... Uh, uh, support escapes have just got out of control, more or less. Like, right. the Alari turret lasting forever. Life Weaver is the most free character I've ever seen in any video game. I, lo <laughs> I loved his mechanics from launch, loved it the whole time, but then they just kept adding more stats, kept adding more stats, kept adding more stats. And before you know it, it's just, he just like sort of wiggles away and has, has I, I was reading a comment and I said, hey, maybe someone could correct me on this. I'm pretty sure the pedal has 
functionally 100% uptime because you can throw it. The cooldown starts immediately. You don't have to go on the pedal right away. You get on the pedal. And the, I usually always need like four seconds or something for my next pedal to be up. And I have a dash, who, which heals me <laughs> as well. Yeah. Uh, so it's like, I feel like I should never die on that hero at any point. And people felt that way about Kiri, but Kiri needs to do damage to actually ever make a big play. Whereas Lifeweaver is just like, farming up trees left and right and, well, and what it is is the fact that you cannot miss a heal it's almost impossible to miss a right heal. it's it's that range is it's it's like a it's a old brick pack on every second is what it is it's literally like the old brick pack every second and well brick pack was heal over time right that, well, the, the original one like the og brick pack that was like well, it would overheal you it, would, it was over time was like i'm pretty sure health, but you could put out like it's comparable to that but yeah continue right, yeah continue. yeah i see what you mean yeah i, I agree with you right. i was just trying to you know because yeah, yeah. like heal over time you could at least damage through in theory but a big mm -hmm. burst of extra health it's like yeah. there's a lot of characters that are super annoying now with that like i can't miss heal um but i think like mechanics wise i think that's good for the game because we want support players that can express themselves with that kind of gameplay and not need and like maybe you don't have the aim required to heal that much as Ana. But like, what should you get out of it for what you put in? Obviously less than you're getting now is what I think. Like yeah. the the cleverness of the plays, it's not any of the mechanics I hate because I liked them when they launched them. It's okay. just, uh, it's just overkill. It's just, it's it's way too much. Yeah, I, I agree 100% on that assessment of Lifer where it's like, I, I was also a big fan of his, big supporter of like, I think Lifer can work. I really want this character to work in the game. I love the style, but their solution has been just to kind of like, blanket buff everything and like overtune the hero to make him playable rather than address perhaps some of the fundamental reasons why the hero isn't playable which leads which leads well into kind of my feelings on overwatch because because i kind of want to go on a little bit of a rant now that you got me going on the whole dev blog arisa thing i'm kind of like maybe halfway house between you guys where i'm glad to see you are largely all optimistic and i agree with with the sentiment that overwatch is great until you play it like that's that's a very odd thing to say <laughs> but I think everything that they're doing around playing Overwatch is amazing. And I think actually, it, as creators discussing it, we should acknowledge all the things that the development team work on that are not just the gameplay, right? So it's like, the skins have been amazing. Like, the K-pop collab we'll talk about in a minute, but that's also awesome. Like, I, you know, I, I'm sure if we, like, thought back two years ago and we were like, oh yeah, Overwatch is going to release a season, which will have a K-pop collaboration. They'll have done a anime collaboration with One Punch Man. And they're going to do a crossover event with Diablo and you have like a Lith Moira skin and an in-game mini PV event. We'd be like, wow, really? Like Blizzard Entertainment are going to do like a K-pop and an anime collab, really? Because it's like some shit Fortnite would do. So we always looked at that with Envy. So the fact that they're doing this kind of stuff now is awesome and unprecedented, really. Um, and yeah, like you guys said, I think the PV mode, ironically, is the best PV thing they've released, even if it's not massively in-depth or anything. I thought it was lots of fun. The The loot mechanic was very entertaining. And I also shared Frito's, I don't know, sarcasm, cynicism, whatever. When I read that passage in the blog when I was like, yeah, so you so you picked up that people like a, a replayable story mission with collectible items, really. Did you pick that up this time? Okay, I see, I see. You'll incorporate that next time. I see, gotcha, gotcha. But I do think that the the place where I have the least faith is the balance. So I don't think I'm necessarily as optimistic as you guys are reading the blog about like what things are going to address because they, yeah they said that they're going to nerf support or slightly address some of the things but they also said that this was going to be the same size of balance patch at the start as they had at the start of the season which was laughable it was it was like i looked back at it i went back after i was like so they in total they changed 10 heroes 
seven of so or so of which were like one second cooldown reduction for ram ball spread damage is better like like you know this the time before the spread comes in like orisa has like 25 like, five less health yeah it's like 15 less health or whatever all. right so it's like five. the most it was five five so yeah the most negligible changes that you can imagine so if that if that level of nerf is what they're going to give to the support role i don't think it's going to necessarily move the needle because i do agree that the tank role is kind of miserable and that's where i was disappointed reading the devlog now we're kind of on that issue i know we've got other lots of other things in the microsoft issue looming as well but now that we're on the devlog the thing that i got really disappointed reading is that they acknowledge the support creep as we might call it but they didn't acknowledge anything about the tank role which is where i'm most upset because i think Having done the role debates now, you know, we did the tank debate, we did the DPS debate, the support debate. It was pretty clear what the large sentiment is amongst the players of each role, right? The tank players, universally, like, we're miserable. It fucking sucks. And everybody else knows it, too. Everyone else is like, yeah, tank sucks, man. We can all see it. The support players were all like, yeah, look, I think a lot of our... A lot of the heroes in our role are overtuned. And we're very happy to tune them back. Like, we we acknowledge that these, these, these characters are overtuned and should be looked at. And then the DPS players were like... Yeah, I don't know, we just counterpick the tank. That's what we do. Like that was that was genuinely what and when like, you know, people like Craggy and, and like Deku are like some of the best ranked players that I know. They're like, yeah, all I do is counterpick the tank. That's what the best players in the role are saying they do. You know that's like a bad problem, right? So the fact that they never acknowledge at any point that like, yeah, that we've created a fundamental problem here with the tank role of like it sucks and the whole game is revolved around ruining their fun. Not just about the mechanics of it, but literally it's designed around make their life miserable. I think it's very disappointing, because the closest we got was in the last patch notes. They said, we're nerfing Orisa, but we still want her to be good to be uh, an answer to heavy CC comps. Which hilariously doesn't address the fact that I thought the whole point of Rush 2 was to not have heavy CC comps and to not have heavy CC. So you're acknowledging that they're back, and you want a hero specifically to play into it, but you're not going to actually remove the problem in of itself. And not to mention that Arisa also creates the problem. Which is where I want to get into like my quick rant before I hear back from you guys. Because Flats is dying in misery right now, I can see. But Arisa also creates the problem of the CC. Because she has two very annoying ones in her own kit. So this idea that like the win rate of the hero is fine and therefore she doesn't need addressing. I think is, is where a lot of our problems lie and where a lot of my cynicism comes from. Because I think it misses the picture entirely. Like, if that's your approach, if you're like, oh, well, her win rate is fine, Ryan is better. Win rates, pick rates, they are illuminating to some extent, but they don't necessarily answer the truth. And, and Arisa is a great example, I think, because you could say, well, Ryan has a better win rate in the metal ranks, is what the developing blog uh, uh, like alluded to. But it misses many key factors to why that would be, right? One being, well, firstly, any any pick that's like, considered meta will always lower its win rate because every casual is playing it, right? So the people, the specialist argument, in Overwatch 1, it was always Symmetra, right? It was always like, if you looked at the win rate, Symmetra had like 60% win rate because always only the specialists are playing the hero. Everyone who wants to play the meta picks will automatically devalue the the like ability of anyone playing it because they're just flexing onto the hero. They're just like, oh, well, I guess I'll pick Orisa because everyone says she's good. Now, I don't think she's overpowered, by the way. I don't think she's overpowered. I just think she's annoying free value and creates more problems than she solves. If the idea is that she's there as the anti-CC hero, well, she actually causes more CC, therefore making the enemy tank experience it more. And the other aspect of it, and I could go on loads more, but the other aspect that I think is major to mention is that Orisa is often the hero that people pick when things are going badly and when they're getting fucked. And it's often when they're getting tank gapped, right? 
So I actually had this very hilarious experience. For the other day, I'm streaming Tank for like the most of the day. And at least three to four times, this thing happened where I, I'm playing, I'm rolling, I'm gapping enemy Tank. They then switch to Arisa and then they come into my chat after the game and they're like, sorry for picking Arisa. I just had to because I was getting gapped. Like three or four separate guys came into my chat after the game to be like, sorry for picking Arisa. Because obviously most what, Tank what players know. A, a variety. Sometimes Sig, sometimes Doom. Sometimes like Ryan or something, right? I was like, I was flexing around as you yeah. have to, but they were always they were always default because they were like, shit, I'm getting gapped, I gotta go Risa, and that's okay. Like it's okay for there to be a crutch hero. I don't mind there to be an easy easy tank hero. The problem is that the whole job of Risa is to level the tank gap, right? It's like this hero is is whole job is just to be brainlessly running at the enemy tank, and my job is to level the tank gap. So if you can take a hero that's like, let's say. If it's 60-40 favored, right? The one tank is 60, the person switches to Risa is currently 40. If that gap becomes 55-45, Arisa's win rate is still bad, but just by picking this hero, I've, I've upped my probability in the game by 5%, and my entire value is to just stop that guy playing the game. And I think this is like a fundamental problem that we're at in Overwatch right now, where just too many things are geared towards stopping... I know fun is a very intangible concept, but it's just like shutting down other people's things. Rather than trying to create plays, which is what alludes to what Flats and Samito were talking about earlier, where it's like, yeah, your job is tank is just to not make up, not die. Just don't die. Don't try and do anything. Just AFK and don't die and let everyone else play the game. And it's no wonder why no one's playing the role again. So my dissatisfaction comes, and I, I, don't, I, you know, I enjoy playing support, but I also don't enjoy waiting 12 minutes for a six-minute game. So like, I think there's a fundamental issue we gotta address, and I don't care if like I can have fun playing other heroes if one role is entirely fucked. So while we're here, let's go on to this topic then, guys, because, you know, I'm curious you guys' thoughts now. You've all kind of alluded to this. Uh, I, I want to go to either Samito or Flats. You both seeming to want to chime in there. Uh, Just... Fossey, go ahead. You, you play more tank than me. Go for it, bud. <clears throat> oh, boy. I'm going to turn this whole thing on its head, I think. Uh, I actually kind of disagree on at least the Orisa part. Mm -hmm. I sure, agree with ahead. them on the Orisa thing. Um that's been my take for a long time, is I didn't think Arissa was very good. I, sorry, let me let me backtrack. I didn't think Arissa was as OP as people thought she was. I think it was supports that made her OP. Because there's a few things that I, that I think of has happened. One, Arissa's whole shtick is a fucking wall, right? You're playing a wall character. Like, you're literally, like, you just sit there and you walk into things, and, like, it's like they hit a brick wall, or they run into you, and they hit a brick wall. That's it. Like, you're... You're not very threatening otherwise. Like, the, the wall isn't going to come and, f like, fall on you half the time. You know what I mean? Like, you sit there and poke at the wall, the wall ain't going to come for you. That's how, that's how I think of Arissa most of the time. What would what Arissa was good at was there's a window where support can't save you, right? They burn their cooldowns. They had to reload. They got to help someone else. Arissa's cooldowns are long enough that you could sustain through that gap period to then they have their cooldowns again. So when the enemy commits to kill you, you get suzued, you get lamped, you get naded, you, you they sleep somebody, uh, like like you get they whip shot them away, rally comes out, a, a forest spawns, like something happens, and all of a sudden you can't die. Um, and she was really good at that, right? And I don't think that that's because Arissa is OP. I think it's just every other tank is kind of shit. Uh, and that's why we we shifted to Sigma. Does anyone think in this right here? Does anyone think Sigma's OP right now? 
because I, I would argue no. been broken, but it's not his fault. <laughs> he has a lot getting picked. He has a but lot, yeah, but it's the supports that are making him get played everywhere. It, yes. It, it's Bastion too, right? Like the whole point of like Sigma is like, and that's what they were doing. Like in like calling all heroes and contenders look like it was like may Bastion rush is like, you are able to survive the shift long enough uh, or the Bastion shifts, excuse me, where you can survive with your suck or your shield or whatever. And you're, you can live their cooldown rotation to survive, back up, and then your DPS and support kill them. Like your tank doesn't kill them. Your DPS and support kill them. Mostly your support, actually. So uh, I would actually make this argument. Uh, I think that the tank uh, ability has come down so much in Overwatch 2 uh, that personally, and I, I know I'm probably a lunatic for this, but this is my own personal experience. I think Hog is good this season. Here, hear me out on this. If they don't have an Ana, you say, I, I think I pulled it out against you a few games. I didn't do anything, but you know what I did? You hooked me out of my cooldown. I would hook you anytime you used a cooldown that I you know, made you like, in, like it was like Doom Block or it was like one or two other ones. I did nothing but shield break and hook if they, their tank did a cooldown. I would sit there and not fucking move the entire time on Hog. I would sit there. I would sit behind the cart. I would sit behind a pole. I'm not moving. My ass ain't trying to make no plays. I sit there. And if they pressure me, I get a 300 heal, 50% damage reduction. If they can't turn off my healing with an anti-heal, you literally can't kill me. There's not enough damage in the game. It doesn't exist. Like, and heal boost after that too. So the well, other, the strong yes. healing gets boosted after the fact yes. on the hog. Well, if we have like Bacalari, which is like very common right now, you literally don't die. You, it's not possible. Yeah. So I've won games because I'm like, oh, their support line is like two stubborn players that I've recognized. And I'm like, they're not going to swap Ana. So I just walk into the enemy team. I sit there. And if they have a Sigma, I just break his shield and I don't even do anything. I wait. And the second he goes for a suck, I go, boop. I pull him out and I go, now you don't have that. Now what? And then he explodes. <laughs> and it's like, that's it. But that's my whole experience. And it was working. And it's been working the whole way through. But now you think about that. Has Hog gotten any buffs in season one slash season two when he got like nuked uh, into the, the ground? The heal, the heal, the heal after vape. So the, the heal after vape. But other than that, yeah. though, like, would you say that made Hog good? No, I would argue no. That didn't make Hog any better than he was, really. But everything else has come down so much that now in my mind, with the healing, I'm like, holy shit, Hog's actually not that bad. I can actually make this work. Now, if they pick, they pick on, I go back into spawn immediately. Like, I don't care if I have ult. Doesn't matter. Instantly back to spawn. But um, to, to kind of like come back all the way around until your, your, your win rate thing. Sorry, I just I had to get my lunacy, lunacy take oh, yeah, out there with that. Uh, I'm kind of in agreement but disagreement with them on that. Um, that's where my agreement ends uh, is like they talk about like Ryan, right? Like Ryan has like the highest win rate and lower, lower elo. Of course he does. Like, and you know who's probably one of the most picked characters? Mercy. You know who's also probably picked a lot in like Bronze? Torp. You know who's picked a lot in Bronze? Sim. Like, does that mean Torb and Sim are insane? No, it doesn't. Like, and they recognize that. They're like, oh, they just can't shoot the turrets. Like, they're, they just don't have the mechanical skill. But, like, that's where it ends. They're like, oh, well, beyond that, they're just picking those characters. Like, no. Like, there's also, and I wish Spillow was kind of here for this. There's, like, psychology in Overwatch. And I think that's kind of where it plays in the Orisa thing, where there's almost acceptable characters to play, right? Um, in certain circumstances, there's acceptable characters. And so when someone's getting hardcore gapped and their team's starting to get kind of annoyed, like, oh, what are you doing over there, tank player? You're getting rolled. They're like, just go Orisa, right? Back in Overwatch 1, it was just go break, right? Like, whenever you're getting rolled by a team on support, just go break. And then on DPS, 
I, it depended on like what season it was, you know, like it would change on certain things. But like, there's just that character every once in a while. It's like, oh, just go Torb. this character, just go this. Well, yeah, just go now. Yeah, Tor. Oh yeah, yeah. Bastion and Torb were actually good examples. Like, if you can aim, you couldn't hit any shots. Just go Torb, dude. Torb, Torb will will aim for you. So and you and you live. You just sit there and overload and live. Yeah, it, and then and then and like in some ways, is that Arissa? Like, I feel like that's Arissa now, where you're not gonna go out and make plays. You're just gonna stand there and be like, okay. I don't want to cause my team any more problems. I'm just gonna sit there, take as little resources as possible, sit in my corner, and then like, like <laughs> close my eyes and hope that nobody yells at me for the rest of the game. And that's why they pick Arissa. And it's like, we we've really got to that point again, where it's like the tag player is getting bullied to play something, but they're not even gonna have impact on this thing. They're just being told to go sit in the corner and shut up over there because you have no impact on the game anyways. So it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> I want to let Sam respond. Him? Obviously, I can respond, but I want to let I'd Sam love, I'd love to follow up on this. Yes. Hello, guys. SCB here, and the Goop Up podcast is back. And I'd like to take just 30 seconds of your time to talk to you about two quick things. Firstly, Patreon. If you enjoy the content, then please do consider supporting directly because Patreon takes only about 10% of the money you give, where YouTube and Twitch take 40 and 50% respectively. So if you'd like to support the podcast, then that is the best way to do so. Secondly, if you're someone who enjoys video essays or detailed analysis of movies, TV, or anime, then please do check out my second channel, The Soak, where I'll be making videos about those kind of topics much more frequently and where a lot of my attention will go beyond just Overwatch. It would mean the absolute world to me if you guys would check it out. But that's it for now. Let's head back to the discussion. Go a ahead. lot of really, really important things mentioned there. Let's start with Orissa, right? The reason why orissa feels like that and kind of is that is because the way she plays is what tank is in 5v5 right you kind of just sit there and spam your cooldowns and you can't really get punished it's not like you're trying to you have to go super super aggressive it's like at its skill floor it is just the way that character flows it's just what a tank does in this game to be successful on the topic of Reinhardt a little bit, you mentioned like Ryan having the good pick rate in low ranks and like that, that's because those are all the heroes with low skill floors, right? So like that's of course that's what people are going to pick up because you sit there and it's like, well, you pick up Ryan and obviously Ryan has a higher skill ceiling than some of those other characters. But, you know, if, if you're a new player, you're picking up Ryan. It's, a, it's super basic, right? Shield or swing hammer, right? It's anybody can really pick that up and at least get the experience. It may not be crazy at it, but like, you know, they're good. High skill floor, um, right? Is that the is that the phrase? Look, like, I think it's a low skill floor. I think it's yeah, I think I think, I think it's a low skill floor because people can just pick it up and it's like, oh, like you're not necessarily gonna be good, but like in terms of how complicated the hero is to get you immediate value, like you can walk up shield swing. Like obviously it's not like I'm not trying to say the hero's brain dead, right? Because it has a high skill ceiling as well. Um, I think Ryan's actually really well designed because you want heroes to have low skill floors and high skill ceilings. The more of that that there is, there's more variety in the game, the game just more fun. But on to back to Arissa a little bit. That, that she just embodies what it is to be a tank in this game because there's not really a, an important fight. You and I were AFKing standing there with each other, and I actually agree with you on Hog, except the one thing I disagree with you guys on Hog is his heal buff after vape is insanely good. I think it's really, really strong, and I've won games sitting on the point vaping as Hog, doing nothing as well, unless they switch on, and then I go back to spawn and switch as well. And that's you agree, just though, like, that didn't change people's perspective, right? Like, I didn't, didn't change people's perspective, yeah. but it's really good. Like, heal yeah. amp is insane. Uh, if you get it that, off, sure. you know, especially especially with how good supports are, right? Like, having that extra heal amp, it's an extra onanade. It's insanely good, right? But the ways that tank can get value in this game and, like, how you're forced to counter-swap, it doesn't really allow a lot of these tank players to shine. And it's a lot of these defensive tanks, SIG, Hog, in a way, because you can't really run around and flank as Hog. You kind of just have to vape and exist on the point. 
and Orisa. So no matter what you're doing when you swap to those characters, like you just fit better into the style of the game, which is what kind of Tank is forced to do. Um, so I, I think that's really what it is, especially like playing Tank myself. That's kind of just what I've noticed. Um, especially like in our game's flats, like, you know, there was another kind of embodiment of that where it's just, you know, you, you won that game on King's Row by hooking me on Zarya. You swapped hard. I didn't notice it in time. Um, and, and speaking of swapping, SVB, I'm just going to quote you here. I think one of the easiest things to do to, to mitigate this counter swapping, get the ult charge saving thing out of the game. Get it out of here. It is such a terrible, terrible addition. It's a good try. But uh, one thing that I want to talk about later down the line when we're talking Microsoft is did Overwatch 2 achieve its goals? And one of my viewers sent me the original dev vlog and I was copy pasting it in our game flats as we were literally just counter swapping each other over and over and over again. Is, <laughs> is they claimed when Overwatch 2 came out that they were going to have less emphasis on hard counters and counter swapping. Now, 5v5 forces this more. I'm going to try to stay away from the 5v5, 6v6 discussion to the best of my ability today. That's not what we're talking about. We don't need to hammer this one home. It's, it's, it's off subject. But for this thing, it's a little bit relevant. Like, you know, like, especially for tank, like Overwatch 2 actually does the opposite. So at least, at least in the, in the, in the essence of the maintaining your ult charge, that's an easy thing that they can get rid of that would help mitigate that. Because can we, can we all agree that counter swapping is more important in this game? I think that's a general consistency. Would you all agree with that? Is that a fair thing to say? Absolutely. Absolutely. In this version of the balance, for sure. I think there's yeah. previous versions of the balance where it was that they were right. I mean, I agreed with them at the launch. Yes. But then I they added a bunch more mechanics. And so. Well, the reason there wasn't counter swapping at say. launch because Lucio Kiri Monkey Dive was so hard meta. Like, there wasn't room for like actual variety. Like, the heroes what? were just so strong, which was. I, I enjoyed that season, to be clear. But I've got um, another train of thinking as well to introduce into this. Uh, so, the only thing I'll. I'll I think it's pertinent to this point though but like the it wasn't meta for everyone it's like that was high tier meta like i think counter swapping as a concept is yes. meta for the entire game at every tier like like now like brutally so mainly because there are so easy so many easy win buttons to be like i'll just pick a reaper and chase you around monkey and that, that like you can be think of the rank rank gap that's required for that player and it's not even a good pick reaper's not even a good hero it's just like if i if you're carrying the game as monkey they and that, that was true you know multiple podcasts ago we talked about that they made that even worse with like bastion and now torbs shotguns ridiculous like it it melts tanks like i, I think I, I can't remember if i said this on the podcast before but uh why can torben overload shotgun duel a reinhardt I see that happen all the time as the Reiner, as the Torb. Why, why is that a thing? Like uh, that, it was that just exists. Uh, it was goats it, that, that got buffed during goats meta. And it was one of the things that were, no, they bumped the shotgun we, recently. The, the it, shotgun it, it, spread it, went it, down. It, it, when was that? Cause they buffed it again back in goats. Meta. that's when it first got like really, really uh, Yeah, I mean, they keep buffing him over and over again, yeah, but I just mean, I, I think the point Overwatch is really too. good though. I think the point that you're making yeah. is really good. It's free though. Mm -hmm. So, go so, ahead, so when that exists in the game, it's like you can, it, it, it goes beyond like on a countering hog. Like those are so much more egregious to me because it's not like you have your key cooldown that exists you as a character. It's like Torb's shotgun's just like, if he's close to you, he has infinite ammo of it, you know, more or less, especially when they give him more ammo on the overload. Like, like he's just going to win that now. And in those, they talk about like points of downtime. It's like, so adding extra ammo, the six extra ammo on the overload, that increases his volume of damage which these volume of damage characters are also an issue, like Bastion shooting forever. When when the game first came out, the pros were looking at the Bastion rework and like, oh, this is just going to be utterly unplayable. Like we have characters like Sojourn and 
I did try to warn at the time that like there's worse things than Winston Lucio Kiri being meta and like like that Reaper was in that comp as well. Like I thought that was like incredibly high level playable Overwatch that I liked to watch. It was simplistic. It wasn't necessarily like meta diverse, but as far as skill is concerned, that's about as good as it gets. Like maybe we would want Genji in there instead of Reaper or something. Oh, but, he, he like, was for two weeks. <laughs> right, right, right. But two weeks. You see the point I'm trying to build to is what I'm saying. Is like the grass isn't always greener on the other side. It's like, and I, I know we all probably agree on this, but Bastion, a patch prior, was like a, a niche pick that if players were given the time to discover synergies with life weaver and other tricks you could do that would have been a, a like a potential niche pick that if you want to all in on the tank you could do it like it shouldn't be like i win now and i go to top 500 counter picking the tank always like that, that we never that should never be the goal but it's as if they tried to buff it to make that the goal as opposed to being content with like well it's like a specialist hero that that kind of hero is obviously should be a specialist hero same with torb same with reaper all, all of these two easy characters uh all of them i play as well <laughs> because i know what it's like to play tank against them so it's like the funny thing is with the, especially with these bastion buffs a lot of players just like are horrible at the character like at, for lots of tiers of play i would say until maybe the top where they don't know to hold your shift as long as possible hold it until the tank actually does something like like because if you use it now you actually are exploitable like because you can't move very well and whatnot but like it's all about that volume of damage it's like being patient and then locking them into an engagement and then mowing everything down and the amount of space i would say because bastion is tanky in his own right with extra health even without that armor thing uh just how much health he has and how much he can lane now that because you have to move you can't just stand there and take it like there's a few tanks that can resist against it but it's so inefficient because he has so much ammo. And they said they're going to change the assault thing. I wonder if they like make it like a Reese's weapon or something where it has an overheat mechanic or or something like the. Anyway, I, I've said a whole bunch there, but um, I I, I kind of trample over Sam's point. I think he was going another direction. I just kind of wanted to say like the variety of metas across the different tiers. It's like ubiquitous now because those heroes that counterpick tanks are so easy that anyone can do them at any tier. Yeah, that's like, I, it's an amazing point, actually. I want to dwell on it, but first I want to give Sam the chance, because Sam, you were on a train of thought. If there's anything you want to finish saying, go ahead, because I really want to go off um, of what's for you. I, I think my main point there was to kind of emphasize what, and put a, put some, uh, like, final words on, like, what Flats was saying, in that, like, the reason as to why, like, you see, like, the Orisa be the standard pick, or, like, even Hog, like, I don't think Hog is, like, absolutely terrible, unless, like, if he's not getting counterpicked, and they don't have Sigma poke. Like there, there are games out there where you can just the heal buff is is very very good. It made a big difference. Um, where you can just pick Hog and idle on cards. Is that what we just, want though? I just can't no, it's not. That's kind of that's that's the point I want to. That's just what Overwatch Two is made. That, that's what tank is now, guys. That's just what it is. What it is. It's been a year of this. We've seen what it is. Like that's just what tank playing tank is like. Aside from a couple exceptions when they become flavor of the month, right? Like Zarya or Monkey or the like, Junker Lucio Queen or the Junker Queen meta, right? Aside from the flavor of the months, like generally, like that's just what playing tank is like. And I, the, the reason why I think people dislike it so much, and I, I go back to Stylosa, who I, I think he was on this podcast, SVB, um, where he made a great point about Overwatch that I never realized. Like, if you look back at like the big moments that made people like fall in love with Overwatch, it was the six man shatters, right? It was the it was the big combos with like whether it be grab blade or like. I hate to say nano blade, but like you know the you big the blades. Which which clip? 
uh, the, oh, the, the the one recently, the guy went in for the nano blade, and they had no, they used no support ults. It was the pylon plus Alari yeah. healing something else, and he couldn't get a and single kill. Wow. See, I'm, yeah. I'm not surprised though, and it's like, listen, I, 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 I always make my six v six argument, but you know, it's kind of back in the game with pylon. It is a third so, support. It is a third. So it's crazy, right? So I, I, I was shocked they didn't nerf that. Go ahead, SVB. Yeah. So I just want to like, I just want to re-hone in on Frito's points. I think it's a really, really salient mm -hmm. one, and I think it, it really touches on where my frustrations lie, because I think that like I agree with Flats. I don't think Reese is OP at all. That's that's far from the level of my complaint. My complaint has nothing to do with her power level. It's the emphasis of where I think the direction the game is going and why I was so concerned reading the developer blog is because like one of the first sentences was we're pretty happy with, with the season seven balance. And that's what's concerning for me because you're right, Sam, it, this is what it is, but it's not what it has to be. And what Frida's alluding to is like, we had different states and people will always complain, right? That is the nature of it. Like people, Samito's reacting to that clip now in the, uh, in the group chat, but people... When I criticize like X hero or Y hero, often like Bashin or Arisa or something, people are like, well, you just want your elite tier system where only the heroes you like are good and the other heroes are bad. And it comes, I'm watching Sam uh, Sam on the corner of my eyes, hilarious. But, you know, it's like watching, you just want these heroes to be good and these heroes to be bad. And it's like, yeah, actually, that is true. I actually think that certain heroes with certain skill input should be at a certain level of value and other heroes should be at another level of value. Like, I don't have anything against the existence of an Arisa. I don't have the, anything against the existence of a Bastion or Mora. To be blunt, training real heroes, right? Like, I, there should be heroes that are easier to access. My problem becomes when the emphasis of the playing of these heroes becomes as good as anything else. And again, when so much of the approach of the balance of the game seems to be to just negate any skill gap via the pick. This was the, this was the whole reason Overwatch 1 fell apart, right? Was the whole, yeah, your, your yes. picks... Your picks mattered more than how you played them, and the problem yeah. is we're we're getting there. We're, we're there again. We're we're there again, right? Like there's no mincing. It's Never like, left. well, yeah. Well, well, there were brief periods where again I agree with Frida that there was times when I felt like at the start of Overwatch Two in the betas, there was a lot of skill expression. There was a lot of. I mean, maybe you, there was a honeymoon period. Maybe we were all rediscovering five v five. So maybe that would have ironed out over time. But it certainly felt, at least in terms of like even what was being played at the highest level, but importantly, what was being played at the average level, which is something we forget. But Frito's right; that was counterpicking was not a thing at the start of the Overwatch 2 for the majority of players. Like there was a little bit of like, well, if they're running Diva, I'm gonna run Zarya, right? Because that was like a very obvious, and those were the two strong tanks at the time. That was very obvious, but it wasn't this whole concerted. Let's the whole team four players switch around to get this one guy miserable, right? That wasn't a thing. We've pushed it there. Despite, as Sam said, the, the goals being stated, that that was the opposite of what we wanted. We wanted no hard counters. We wanted you to play whatever you wanted to play. Go express yourself. Because remember, I remember when they announced the heroes in the battle pass, this was one of their defenses. Yeah. One of their defenses. And I, and I bought it. I was agreed with it because they said, look, we are going to put heroes in the battle pass because ultimately people don't swap. This They said this. They said like 80% of people don't swap. They just play like two heroes... But the majority of their playtime is on like two heroes. And so we just want, so it doesn't really matter. If people want a hero, they'll get it and they'll play it. So well, they the don't work at the company anymore for us. Well, so you get to drop those lines and then walk into the distance, walk into the sunset after uh, monetizing the game in the way they have. Well, well done, Blizzard. You made chumps of us all. Appreciate it. Well, literally, I bought it and I was It'll like, yeah, I'm okay time. with this. Yeah, exactly. And it, it, it makes us look like shills or idiots, right? To be like, they said this. But th this this is the opposite direction of the game. Well, the cynic well, would say, fair, "Yeah, go ahead, Sam." To be fair, I, I think 
and like I've been very critical of this since I like started to realize this as well. There is a legitimate chance to make that happen. But the fact I think like some of the easiest things to do, like removing the retaining ult charge while swapping is an easy thing that you could do. There needs to be more punishing for counter swapping. Like, you know, and the game used to do that. I, I do think, and you know, I've been very critical over the years, right? More so than most people. I, I think it's fair to give it a chance. I do. But, you know, as it plays out, it's very clear that that has not been the case. And the balance has not made that true either. So continue. Sorry to cut you yeah, off. Yeah, no, no. Well, my concern is that I feel like they've leaned more into it. That's why I'm concerned. Yeah. It's not that I don't think it's solvable. It's that they seem to lean greater into it the longer we go, right? Again, the mm -hmm. statement that we're happy with the state with the state of Overwatch as it is suggests that they don't see the counterpicking as a problem, right? They don't... It's well, not, there's also... Go ahead, Flats. There's also a literal new generation of players that believe that's how you're supposed to play the game. Yes. Well, well, again, it's like if Craggy's on my the podcast and he's like it. rank 50 and he's telling me this is right. how he plays the game, why wouldn't Joe, Andy, and Silver do the same? Like, of course you'd do the same thing. But go ahead, Flats. Here's what it is. Are you going to go, Flats? Uh, I, I mean, to be honest with you, the only thing I would say is can they even turn back? Because there's already... This whole generation of players, I think that's how you're supposed to play the game now. And you can, God, scroll through any piece of casual media, TikTok, YouTube, whatever, you know. And you, like, people are so fucking proud that they know how, if they play D.Va, I swap Zarya. If they play Winston, I go Bastion slash Reaper. And it's like, no, I'm good at the game. Like, I have game sense. It's like, dude, I could treat, I could teach a literal chimpanzee. That if it sees Winston to to push the button that looks like Bastion to give you a treat, you know, and it's like, but but that's like how the game has been now. So like, when a game fundamentally shifts like that, like it takes, that's it what takes... your player base now does. So like, do you adapt to the new player base or do you radically shift it in another direction? I don't know. What are they gonna do? It would take a holistic change. It would take, which, which is again where my and I don't want to be doomer. Like, I just think that I just view it that the future will be largely a casual experience again, right? The priority of the casual experience. I don't view the competitive experience as being prioritized because it would take a holistic shift for the developers to be like, hmm? Sorry, go ahead. I wouldn't necessarily say that that's a competitive shift. I think, like, even at the skill floor, people notice this now, right? Sorry to cut you off, SVB. No, no, well, what I'm saying is that I think, like, yeah. it, it would require an emphasis on the competitive experience to remove this because I think what it eases is the casual player's experience of, like, if you're getting gapped, just switch and you win. And it's like, it, it emphasizes the ease of, like, the win is always a swap away. That lie, or like, not even a lie, it's, it's true. It's often true. I would it's, say, I agree with you. Ahead. I would I would say, sorry to cut you off. Do you want to finish? I don't want to. No, no, you know you. what? I, I appreciate it. Like, go ahead. I want to hear your POV. I, I, I think you're right. It does impact the competitive side, but I don't even think that that's, that issue in particular is a competitive to casual issue. Mm -hmm. I think it's just the way the game plays now. Right, I think that it affects both because even in a quick play game, if you're getting counter swap, you still have to swap. Like, like it, it, oh, I think yeah. it's even worse in quick play because if you want to say play, it's say if you want to play Arisa, for example, right, and you're in quick play and people will just swap. Sorry, I have people complaining about to this to me all the time. Where like even in quick play, like it's super sweaty and people are doing this. Like, I don't even think it's fair to say that it's just a competitive thing. I think that this is just how Overwatch Two is, and I think again, it all roots back to the one tank how like no matter what you do they're, they're always going to be able oh. to counterpick you and do that and what did we learn in overwatch one you know 
eventually people are going to find out a way to just exploit the game and break the game, so to speak, right? I think a lot of that gets enabled, got enabled by balance in Overwatch 1, but it's caused by format now. So I, I, I think that that's just what the game is now, guys. And you could, I, I think it's just a watered-down version of the game. That's my opinion. But I think that's what's caused, and I don't think it's fair to say. Well, I, I, think it's, I think it's both competitive and casual. I don't think right. it's one or the other. I think, I think there's I, also an argument for the uh, casual player that just wants to play heroes they like. Like, I thought that was kind of the whole point when they launched the game and in their original blog post launching the game. It's like you can have your own little subset of heroes without needing to... Meta slavery is not casual, in my opinion. Like, I I, I think being required to play a flow chart... That... Uh, Go ahead, Frito. Sorry, I have a question for you after. Requiring, requiring to play a flow chart of counterpicking is... It, it's too severe. It's like, it, it should be... Let's, let's say, what is it, like, maxed out at? Like, like this is the worst we've ever seen it, right? I, I think it's fair to say. Literally the worst in seven-plus years, whatever it's been, uh, with how severe the counterpicking is in the effect of the game, but also the width of how many options you have. Because especially as they add more support mechanics, it's like, there used to be a gap, maybe, that if you don't play whatever support, like, the best option you have to escape the Doom is uh, Moira. Well, now you also got brig and life or life weaver and or whatever like you can play these there's lots of other options to dodge specifically and yeah i am going to pick on support because that's the one that has the transformative mechanics as opposed to damage which have some transformative mechanics the, the handful of ones that i always rag on that annoy me the one that the i win the tank battle uh dps i'm not a fan of either but i think like now that you have both uh in the game it just needs to be relooked at but i think like casual players they deal with their Genji picks get encountered by Moira. That's been the case in Metal Ranks forever. Like, you know how hard it is for like a Metal Rank player to outduel a Moira who can self-heal and yeah, zap to reflect. It it's ridiculous. Like, I can't do it on Genji. Like... Right. Uh, and, and I think like some of that is okay in the game, a little bit of it, because like the ceiling of Genji is so high. It's like, well, I, I kind of get over it, I guess. But the whole game feels like that interaction. It's like, it's just a series of that interaction of, wow, this character is so much easier. I need to perform like three ranks higher on a counter pick in order to have a chance against a counter pick. Yes, I think that is the, the point. I think, I'm sorry if I'm sorry, I don't want to dwell on this, but I think I misrepresented my point because that's essentially what I'm in agreement yeah, yeah. with Frida on is that where I think that, where I'm not pos like uh, po positive that this will improve is because I don't, I don't think it will benefit the goals of the game, right? Because I look at this and I'm trying to understand why we've gotten to where we've gotten to. Like, what is the developer POV to want this? And I can only imagine that whatever goals they're looking to achieve are hit. I was discussing this in my chat yesterday. Some very cynical takes popped up where they were like, "Oh well, maybe it's because supports buy the most things, and so they've 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 buffed supports because the money is coming in." I, I don't believe that. I don't think they'd ever be that cynical or that, you know, like rampantly greedy. I think it's probably a much more like a call, like a correlation rather than causation where it's like whatever they've done has probably increased their concurrent players or something, right? It's like the probably current play stake. Per session. Yes, right. So flats might be onto that, right? It's like my, something like that is gone up. So we might complain of the experience of the players who want to dedicate themselves to the game to be frustrated at these elements because obviously the more, again, this always incentivizes the person who's worse at the game to be to do this right like the, the better player always loses in this situation because if you're the better at the hero you're you're losing out to someone leveling out the gap by picking the counter whereas so 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 i can only imagine that that's what's going on that the 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 more in and out player 
he's sticking around for longer a little bit and therefore the concurrent player goes up maybe the player engagement goes up and yes perhaps cynically the sales go up but it doesn't seem like they're unhappy with it so i don't i don't really have faith that this is going to change well we'll see I, I, we're all speculating on what the changes could be but they said specifically reining in support utility and making windows of exploitability or weakness or whatever they said in the blog post so the things i think about there is like should a lari turret have infinite duration should it take so long to kill um should life weaver have the infinite uptime more or less that i was talking about earlier and <clears throat> there's another point that i've been wanting to interject as well just like the i think the 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 game is very wide at different skill tiers because what you'll hear the top players talk about always is bap and alari and i think it's pretty obvious why they have the combo because their their skill ceiling of stat output is ridiculous insane as in can win duels heal a ton great ults have everything but the the required skill to do that not everybody has so a lot of other picks across the skill tiers are getting picked but they're also good. <laughs> they're like all the supports are good. So it's like you get. <clears throat> I feel like I play Winston, and I, I personally, in my games, it's not the Bastion I'm so worried about. It's not doing enough damage ever because they go Brig, Moira, or something just run away from me. And I have to pick another tank just because I can't physically, statistically kill anything uh, or, or Life Weaver or whatever it is. Like, like if it's not coordinated enough. So the, the leverage that tank used to have to either make plays, make space, whatever, you know, point you want to make, uh, that's gone based on the diversity of effective supports. I have a hot take, right? So I think the game's actually kind of balanced in that there's a lot in it, but it's a counterpick balance. It's like a, you got to go ring around the rosy and pick everything or just default to what won't be countered the most. Like, like if they're on bad picks, you can play other bad picks. Like that happens in my games anyway. Uh, until you reach the higher skill tiers where everyone's playing the I nuke you from medium range supports and then your, your tank has to hide while the supports play the shooter game. Um, but at other tiers, I think there's like, uh, you know, it's relatively balanced. And the reason I say that is because they will make the mistake of reading the stat output of Arisa or whatever and say, well, the win rates look meh, like, like fine, right? I don't see the problem. It's like, well, but how is the game getting played, right? The... The counter pickathon that we're on is it's just too harsh uh, the way i was uh, can't remember if i said this on the show or if it was before the show but i'm i'm trying to like construct a tier list for and, and the way i make tier lists is for players rising the ranks like picks that i would suggest the average player to rise the ranks with it's very different from a top tier competitive thing because as i said if you don't have good aim bap and alari aren't necessarily an auto win for you it's not you, you've got a duel to, to play those picks right um, which is a high tier problem, but um, I'm considering actually starting the tank tier at C tier. <laughs> like that's like the baseline because if you think, think of the roster of tanks, it's like if they want to, they can counter you. If they just pick because the four other squishes on the enemy team have a much larger proponent of counter picking that I think people give credit for. And I'm interested to hear you guys take on this as well because I've been trying to say this. I think the entire community thinks the tank counterpicking game is where it ends. But in reality, I think a much bigger percentage of, of the tank countering game is your interaction with the enemy tank. So if your team comp, if your squishies either easily die to that tank, don't avoid it, or can't counter it, it kind of doesn't matter what you're on. You're still going to lose because they need to contribute 
a May, a Bastion, a Torb, a, a whatever, a BAP, or whatever it is required for the situation. Like, there's so much power in, in those, uh, that team comp, the team comp strategy, the macro strategy of the game, of the whole team comp is so important that if something's wrong, then the ripple effect is massive. And when the game was simpler, your skill expression could kind of outweigh that. There'd be always be like some weakness that you could go exploit. But now there kind of isn't a weakness if they're running a good comp. It's back to the Overwatch 1 team comp builder aspect of it uh, that I always complained about that I didn't like. And I feel this kind of the same with uh, with Overwatch 2 now. And it's with the complexity of the game that's viable. Like there's so many comps you can run um, effectively that like you need to counter basically otherwise you'll lose it, it's not so much on the individual player so much because the the gap of the team comp is severe um which in some ways i kind of like a little bit because it means the strategy matters i just don't like the strategy to be revolving around um easy picks <laughs> i prefer it to be like a little bit more challenging than that all right sorry that's well, no uh, no a it's lot of Stuff. Well, I remember Sam, <laughs> Sam, I remember this was the point Jake made in our 6v6, 5v5 debate because he said this where he was like, actually the mass counter swapping is indicative of a balance game because there's no one, if there was one good tank you could settle on, it would indicate that tank was OP or whatever, right? So the, the mass counter, I, I understand that POV. I disagree with it as like a philosophy yeah. for approaching the game. Like I think that's a poor way of looking at a balance it's like this guy it's, is, it's is healthy well, balance isn't everything is, the, is right. the real point right balance it's, is balance shouldn't be the goal the fun of the game should be the goal the playability of everyone because you don't want bastion to be quote-unquote balanced in that like he performs equal he's a ridiculous hero you yeah. you made him into that like like that was your goal You're like oh what if he did some crazy things he can he can move while in turret form like like that isn't that shouldn't be intended to be like a equal opportunity like uh viable pick next to all the other characters in the game that are harder to play yeah. sorry to, to trample there I but like i just got triggered you know, <laughs> it's definitely a way to look at balance i i think that if that work if that's how the game plays in 5v5 roll queue specifically it's just it, it's not as fun and that's what the, that's what the tank players have basically been saying and when you had something else that could cover your weakness and again i'm going to try to stay away from this conversation best i can but we're still on it so i'm you know um <laughs> that's just what's gonna happen right that's just it just is what it is here now if you want to get really spicy, there is a way to solve it in 5v5, but I'm not confident in the answer. Um, the way to fix it would be open queue, but I don't think we're ever going to go back to that. So, you know, because again, then that would give more freedom of pick and allow like allow more weaknesses to be covered. So it's not about what you pick, but how you play more. But I'm not I'm not going to argue for that. That's not what I'm trying to argue. But um, yeah, I, I don't want to dog on the subject too much. Um, I want to put my post in the ground and say I think supports can be tuned down because of the flexibility of their options. Uh, ha ha we haven't seen a state of the game where, like, I don't know, let's try removing the swart passive, see what happens. Yeah, you, you need to play Life Weaver or Brig to protect your Ana. So what? You already are doing that. That's already the case. Why do they Unless need the extra thing? Like, we, yeah, we, did, yeah. we, we didn't have we didn't have these other picks in the support. We didn't have Alari, Kiri, and... Uh, life weaver in the beta so it's just an entirely different game now like we need i think they said every year they were going to consider looking at a ma major thing like support passives and ult charge like it's time you know it's can you guys believe yeah. it's been out a year already yeah. overwatch two for a year here's what i'd say here's what i'd say and then yeah I, I agree with you here i think that an easy start 
and I'm very curious what would happen because this might help this a lot more because I feel like the, a lot of complaints is that from tank players like Flats who say this, you know, the nades get dumped to you constantly. The sleep gets dumped into you constantly. A lot of these things get dumped into you constantly, right? I think it would also help DPS get a lot more value if the support passive goes away. And honestly, roll passive in general just sh are, are bad. Like if he, so a hero needs a passive, give it to them specifically. There's no way to make it fair for all of them. Take the, the, the passives away. Supports will then have to use cooldowns on each other a lot more. The nade would have to come on the back line more. The sleep would have to go in the back line more because if a DPS forces that cooldown, there's way more of a window for that tank to actually get direct value. And I think that helps the roles just feel like they're way more impactful. The support passive is five times better than every other passive. It is insanely good. They never have to use their, their cooldowns on themselves. Imagine a weaver that has to actually pull their other support instead of the tank that you're 1v1 against a tank because the, the tank exchange just doesn't matter. Flats and I are sitting there like, well, I don't, don't want to say it doesn't matter, but we're sitting there just staring at each other in half the game while everything else is going on around us. Like, you know, that, that's not a fun way to play. It's easier to lose by I think, attempting I think anything. We, I would like to see them attempt to mitigate these things first that were make Overwatch 2 look like a new game in PvP kind of stuff where it's like roll pass. Inter genuinely interesting ideas. They did not make the game better, in my opinion. Um, and I'm curious how casual players would respond to that as well. I feel like we, need, like I, at least me personally, can do a better job of like kind of hearing and understanding their experience more. But I would, I think that would be easy things for them to look at um, and, and to to get rid of that feeling of just you know, the meta of counter swapping. I don't, I don't know if that's even the right word to be honest with you because it's technically you know if you're picking Reaper into a Winston, Reaper's a bad hero. Is that meta? I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to go down a tangent here. But um, yeah, I think that's an easy thing for them to do that, that wouldn't require massive changes to the game. Well, there's lots of good points there. I'm going to let Flats chime in if he has anything to add before we do move on. Because I, I know we've kind of gone on this a lot. Uh, and obviously, while I have plenty of strong feelings on the issue, there's plenty to cover as well. So Flats, yeah. you have any, uh, any more things to add? I feel like casual players uh, still think support is weak. They don't play it You're to right. the full level, so You're like they'll right. just they play like the heal bot style, and you know even if they start doing damage, they're like, oh my god, my tank's not doing it. Like you can tell, you can literally ask any Overwatch two player from bronze to GM, what is the tank counter picking, picking meta? So like, oh they went Ryan, let me go Ram slash Aressa. Oh they went Winston, let me go Diva. Oh they went Diva, let me go Zarya. Do they know the support counter picks? Probably not. Do they know the DPS counter picks? Probably not. Everybody knows the tank ones, though. So you have all these different levels of pressure, and everyone in the game knows your counters. So it's not even like, even if you're like a silver Reinhardt player, you're just playing fucking Rhine, you've got some support player behind you who's playing the most impactful role right now. Let's not get it twisted. The most impactful role right now, who's screaming at you because they're playing Ramatra and you're playing Rhine, so you need to swap your character right now even though they're playing Moira. It's like, okay, dude. All right, man. Like, you, you could go Ana, and that Ramacho literally won't exist anymore. Nope, they don't give a fuck. It's your fault. And this is something that we predicted back in Overwatch 1 with the swap to 5v5 was, is going to be a lot more tank on or pressure on that tank player? And when the game was originally released in beta, that's why it was gigabuffed, because it needed to compensate for the pressure that would be put on the character, on the role. And honestly, SVB, I want to bring up something really, really quick, and then we can move on. Oh yeah, I remember you made a tweet like, like two or three months ago. I was kind of like, I was in my I don't give a fuck about Overwatch like balance at the moment. Like, <laughs> leave me the fuck alone moment. But I remember you posted something about like you know like tank being extremely difficult to play, and like everyone's like nitpicking like, oh, you could have bubbled one half a second later. When a game gets to the point where you have to literally 
be a perfectionist to play the video game. It's no longer a video game. It's a job. And I can tell you as someone who it is actually their job to play the game, not to be good at it, but just to fucking play it. Because sometimes I don't give a fuck, dude. Like, I just, you know, like, I, I, I still try. I'm never going to give up and like, oh, who gives a shit? But sometimes I'm just mentally exhausted. I'm like, ah, dude, they're counterpicking me to the ground. It is what it is. But the point is, though, uh, the level of skill that is required to perform well on tank now is so insane. And in my opinion, when I've played off rolls, I get games where I go, holy shit, my tank is ass, and you lose the game because your tank is fucking terrible. And that's what people remember. They remember the really, really, really shitty tank player who costed them the game because they got hardcore gapped and you had no space. They are just dead on cooldown. You're playing 45. But nobody thinks about the cause of that. Why is that guy so dog shit? Oh, they don't actually play a whole lot of tanks, so they're not playing it completely perfectly. The other guy who's played a little bit more ends up taking such full advantage of that because it's such a hard role to play now that you just get fucking smoked. But people don't care about that. They're like, oh, skill issue, that guy fucking sucks. But like, they don't actually think about the part of it's actually so hard to play and get the same amount of value now that it's a job. It sucks. It's not fun. And it's ass. And it's like, I, I can, let me say this. I've been playing Overwatch for six years. I've been top 100 for five. I have never in my life ever finished a game with zero kills until this season. I had one. I've almost had two in 10 days. I've almost had two games. Two. I had one officially. I went like 0 and 11 on a control map. And I almost had a second one versus you, Sam. But I went hog and got a fucking freebie. And I was like, yeah, I don't have it. wasn't two this week. And it was like, there's there's literally games where you there's nothing to do and like yeah you can say skill issue yeah you can say whatever honestly i don't really care that much it's just like when it gets to the point where the game is no longer fun it becomes a job and you ain't getting paid for that job people ain't going to enjoy doing it right so you know it is what it is it's it's not a hard thing to solve but i i hope that if you are a disagreer and you think that like oh you know, maybe maybe tank just needs to be that way. I genuinely implore you to play some tank and, and, and have that game where you get hardcore gapped and your teammates are screaming at you, even though you're doing everything you probably could. Um, and, and, and to be honest with you, you don't even know what to do. Like it, that feeling of helplessness is more real than ever. I think it's a, it's a great point. Obviously, one powered with your own emotion experience, but I think it's a great point and Again, what what goes back to what why my grievances, you know, why I started this whole tr topic of like I'm unhappy with that statement because there is an objectivity to it, right? People uh, people get so caught up in their own role. I think they because they're like I'm an ex main, they try to always view it only from the perspective of their role, and that's where I wish more people would flex around, would would play other roles because when you criticize support role, people are like, oh well, you just fucking want support to fall over. I I play support the most. Bro, I play support the most and have for like the last two years of my Overwatch career. And I can see very clearly it's like by far the most powerful role. Tank by far the most like insufferable role to play. And, and anyone with any objectivity who plays all three roles, or at least most people, right? Some people will say, no, no, this, that, the other. Like SK was on and SK probably want me to point out that she was like, I don't know what tank players are complaining about. I'm top 100 every role. Just swap. It's fine. But by and large, the sentiment is objective here. There is an objective sentiment amongst people who are competent in all three roles. Tank is the worst. 
DPS also largely miserable. And the Q times reflect this, right? DPS, again, just mostly around counterpicking. Support yeah. is just yeah. like by far and away massive Q times because everyone knows that's the only time you actually get to decide the outcome of the game. And as to your point, Flats, like with, with tank, your job is either to not throw or to mitigate their tank's impact. It's like either don't die or just make sure their tank can't do... Because if he's rolling your team, pick something that just like chases him around for a while. And that, that way we've evened it out. Now it's 4v4 again. Maybe we will end up with Flats' 4v4 idea that you dropped in the in the great tank debate and we just go to like two DPS, two supports. Fuck it. But um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I'll move on here because I, I know we've been quite, you know, yeah, I, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry I got you guys negative. You started off being positive. You're all like, I'm I'm happy with the direction of Overwatch. And the content's I, good. The content's yeah. always been good. It's always been good. Like, the lay down just great. Oh, yeah, one ahead, last Frito. little piece of optimism. So uh, I never really got our official uh, debate on 5v5, but I'll say the, the gameplay mechanics of solo tanking, I really like. Like, I don't play all the tanks uh, very well, <laughs> but like half of them, but like half, the half of them that I do play... I really enjoy what they do. It's just that it's so easy to counter and, you know, the, the yes. stats of it are not in your favor. So I like Solo Winston. I like Ram, Junker Queen, um, and Ryan a little bit. Like, when I get to play them, you know, it's great. But it's like all those picks, if you think about it right now, it's like <laughs> I'm getting countered a lot, obviously, right? <laughs> so if I play those, it's like I'm kind of screwed because there's a bevy of options that you could go and I have to somehow do some heroic thing to overcome that. Um, and I kind of like that challenge in a way. It's just like when you drop 40 a game, I mean, you kind of talked about learning uh, Doomfist SV in, in the last show, but when you drop 40 and you're like in the last team fight in overtime, it's like, oh my goodness, what what else do I have to do? Like it's, it's you know, it's demoralizing. So it is. I, 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 I see there being hope. I, I think there's hope. I think, I think they just have to have faith that the, like the support role is designed well now. It's like, you've got plenty of options. And that's something that, I never really bought too much into when people would say, well, we need more X role. You were, you were on that from day one. Uh, well, well, for support, I was right. I'm just mm -hmm. like, there's just not a way. It's like, if your team doesn't regroup, you feel this is a thing that hasn't been answered in this conversation yet. But a thing that still makes support miserable to this day is your tank going off on his own, right? And trying to make plays. And I'm sitting back as BAP like, no, no, no. Listen, buddy. I'm OP. Stand here. I'll be paying where the corner you'll stand and you'll stand. You do the flats. Pick whatever take you want. Honestly, I don't even care. I'll pocket you through everything. Just don't leave my side because then I'll die and you'll die and whatever. Right? Like, like, but no one wants to play that way. Right? Um, and so there's a problem with our community where because regrouping is poor in general, um, and at the launch of the game, they didn't have these extra picks. They didn't have Kiri who plays anywhere that you, like, um, Life Weaver, etc. That the role, the function of the role, felt bad um, until you got good. And the only pick that really stabilized that was Lucio. We haven't mentioned him at all, obviously, because he's in power crept out of existence. But he's another like one of those picks that like got the team to play together. But now we have multiple of those. Where whether it's you're teleporting through walls or life gripping your tank back, you've got the mechanics now in the game. So we don't need to overcompensate the performance of them. That's that, and if they see that and then tune back and aren't afraid to be like, you know, we keep nerfing the support passive. Let's just take it out. Let's let's see what happens. See what happens. I, I think the game would just be like better because then the, it would function the way you would expect it to in that if you try to run a greedy backline, it's going to be tough and it would give more value to the, the this protection style supports, which they're doing anyway. You're already picking that in those situations. It's just 
is an amplifier that's unnecessary. And it, that just seems so obvious to me that if they do that, the game will function a lot better because tanks can provide some leverage to make space as opposed to hide all game. All right, sorry. That's my dissertation. No, uh, I really appreciate uh, it. Because I like, I like the gameplay. I've been playing a ton. The game feels fun. The mechanics are good. It's just nothing dies. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I concur. I, actually, Sam, I'm so grateful you're Doom coaching, dude. I love playing Doom Fisk. It's so fucking fun, fine. dude. And I'm I'm rolling as well. This is the thing. Like, I, I don't want it to be confused that this is complaints because I'm losing. I, I won, like, games. 9 out of 10 games yesterday just stomping people on Doom and then, like, switching when they try to counter stuff. So I don't care about that, but I agree that it's just, like, it's not about that element of it. It's just about where, where are we taking our game. So that's all that I would like that section to kind of be summarize that it's like what, what what is the end product is that the benefit to the game or not um but let's move over then because we were we were very optimistic to start this call i want to bring that energy back uh let's go to the big the title of this debate microsoft right this is this is huge this is huge news this goes way beyond this podcast goes way beyond overwatch this is a massive industry shift the biggest takeover in gaming history has finally gone through uh, so I'll just get your, your like big picture thoughts to start with, then we can kind of go into some of the deeper topics about like, A, what's this going to offer for Overwatch? What does this mean for the rest of the industry? So like, yeah, just a quick touch base. How are you guys feeling about this? Happy, optimistic, or do you think, oh, I'm actually a little bit skeptical. Sam, you go first. I'm skeptical, right? Because ultimately like it's going to be, well, okay. So let's take a step back and look at Microsoft in general. Okay. What do they usually do when they take over companies? They have a pretty long track record of like LinkedIn, for example. They came in and they changed everything. Like they they almost cleaned house. Like it was a big, massive change, right? I find it hard to believe, at least at an executive level potentially, that given the direction that ATBI was on for a while, especially with how some of these titles have been received, I would be surprised to not see them make a lot of changes, right? Given that this is just kind of like what they do. That being said, there was a quote last year that phil spencer responded to where microsoft's big thing that they saw changing in gaming was in mobile and ads in game like advertisement and then phil's response to that was you know th these weren't our official plans like i'd it'd be nice to you know actually have you know from our word of mouth an actual representation of like what we want to achieve H here's the reality right they dropped a 69.7 billion dollar check they're going to want to see a return on an investment, right? The question is, how are they going to go about it? And that's what I'm going to wait and see for. What, like, like you know, I've, I've heard a lot of words over the last four years, and maybe I'm just getting old, right? Um, but I, I've become a big doubter, right? I, I want to see it, right? And, and, that, and that's, that's the hard part, right? It's, it's not easy to do. Um, I think in Overwatch's case, we ha kind of have to take a step back and ask ourselves a big question and try to look at it from their POV, right? Did Overwatch 2 achieve the things that it wanted to? And I'm glad we kind of touched the things that uh, we, we touched on the things that we did previously, the previous hour. Some people may be like, oh, they weren't talking about Microsoft at all. Like it was all very important because, you know, I personally don't think that Overwatch 2 achieved the goals that they said they wanted to with like, you know, how the game plays, et cetera, et cetera, whatever it may be, right? If you're Microsoft and you see that, well, what do you do? Right, and, and that's the big question. The only way we're gonna know is that we're gonna have to wait and see. I would not be surprised, however, to see some very, very big changes come along and get implemented. I'm not sure how long it'll take, and I'm not gonna pretend to be a wizard here and know. I, I'm very much so, and I'd encourage everybody else to also be in wait and see mode, right? Well, we will wait and see. I, you know, we're kind of where we are right now. 
Um, I don't know, but they do have a pretty long track record of some big changes internally at companies and especially at Activision Blizzard, one company that definitely probably needs some, right? You know, maybe not necessarily the Overwatch team, right? But just in general, the executive level, it was, it was, a, it was a shit show over there. Let's not beat around the bush, right? From, from the CEO to the board to every, it was a shit show. So I, I'd expect some pretty big changes, but we'll, we'll see how it actually affects Overwatch. It's too soon to tell for me. Flats, how do you feel about the takeover? Like just big picture. Uh, I think Sam's right about being cautiously optimistic. However, though, uh, I'm actually a little bit more than cautiously, cautiously optimistic, and I'll explain why. We have heard so many stories both publicly and then stuff also I've just like heard from my just having conversations with people and devs that have either been there or formerly of there of how fucking bad Bobby was fucking with specifically the overwatch team um and i made a tweet about this i don't really tweet that much anymore but i thought it was so telling that when his like quote-unquote goodbye letter that he put out for his email he was talking about call of duty talked about starcraft talked about wow talked about candy Crush. he talked about all these things he did not mention overwatch uh, he hates overwatch and my from what i've heard and what i've speculated and what i've seen from the people this is purely my own opinion um i think that he doesn't like overwatch because it wasn't his idea it wasn't his love child like he didn't come up with it uh he didn't he wasn't as hands-on with it you know and so we've all heard the horror stories there was that tweet that went viral last year of like when he was like having that uh i was like it was it was either him trying to like repair his reputation or some shit and some former devs came out and said Tell him about all the projects you had us work on and then cancel last second. Go on, tell him. And so there's things that we don't even know that were made for Overwatch 1 or for Overwatch 2, both, going into it that we never even saw. We got no idea. It could have been like a map editor. It could have been, you know, a replacement for the looking for, for friends or group system. It could have been the guild system that was rumored forever ago. It could have been any number of these things. And... He is very notorious for doing it. And don't forget, there's the work from home thing that they, they or reinstated, return to office. And there was many devs and, and employees that were brought on as work from home and they were forced to move to LA. And if you know anything about living in LA, it's fucking expensive. And so like, let's say you lived in the Midwest somewhere and you were making 80, 90,000 working at Blizzard. Hey, that's fucking amazing. That's great. In LA, 80, 90,000 ain't, ain't, ain't going too far. Um, so your standard of living falls off. And so you, they lost more people. And we had again, like they had turnover. Like they had turnover back when this happened again, back in like February, March, April. And there's people we like that were like more public that we saw leave. Um, you know, obviously they never said like why they left, but like, I think it's, it's pretty easy to infer kind of like what happened. Um, I think of like John, like John was like super, super, in the community he was a big memer um ran all the commercial stuff like he was he was awesome he, he just left around that time um never said obviously but it's like huh, you have you can't help but wonder um so i i i'm with you i am cautiously optimistic but i think the overwatch team specifically has been fucked with so many times that i almost think it's like the rock lee moment where you take off the weights and just <laughs> let them have their let them do their thing you know what i mean so it's like what's the potential that could come out of it I think is much higher than something like Call of Duty because Call of Duty is is like the hot topic. Like Sony's still big mad about Call of Duty. 
none of these games give a fuck about Overwatch. They're like, yeah, yeah, you, you can just do whatever you want over there. So like, if they if they just like let them go do their thing, like, yeah, yeah, yeah fuck off, yeah, yeah, yeah. just get just, just, go go make your money or whatever. Go, go do go do whatever you want. They're gonna focus on Candy Crush. They're gonna focus on COD. They're gonna, those are their big money makers, or at least like what they want. So it's like, are we gonna have an unshackled Overwatch team where they can start pumping content and doing all these goofy things or whatever they want to do? I think the potential for that is much higher than ever. Um, and that might be a bit of cope, but from what we've been told and what personal people experiences from what they worked inside the company, no one got fucked with as much as the Overwatch team. So yeah, they'll probably not have some like major changes with Microsoft, but I think the fact that they're just not going to be fucked with anymore is a major W. <laughs> I like that. Frito, do you have any thoughts? I've, I've done some reading as well, so I'll get on that, but you, do you have any thoughts on, on the whole takeover situation? Yeah, I expand on Flat's point of view. I think it might be some interpersonal things with Team 4, the legacy that they had from World of Warcraft, and that was, like, baked into the conflict between Bobby and um, that team. And if you think, like, specifically, like, Jeff Kaplan, I think, as well. I have a feeling that they were at loggerheads, especially with the <clears throat> vision of what Bobby wanted it to be and the vision that Jeff wanted it to be. It was just never going to work, um, more or less, because they had two different viewpoints. The thing that I'm most excited about the change in company is that we've finally all, I think, collectively as gamers, at least like, I'm going to say, a good percentage of gamers are clued into the extra layer of behind the scenes now. Whereas I would say 20 years ago, maybe or especially prior to the lawsuit, like there was still a veil of mystery over Blizzard where it was still, when you think of the launch of Overwatch, of course, a lot of people don't remember the reputation that Blizzard had at that time. It was like the second coming, more or less. Oh, they're making a new game. It's gotta be the greatest thing ever. So it was almost the anticipation of anything they made was going to um, be welcome with with open arms just from the, the legacy reputation that they had. But um, Bobby leveraged that and multiple times where if some problem that he had he has a playbook that he would run and more and more people are clued into what that playbook is where it's like public scandal make an announcement like th that's that's how that goes like promise more distract deflect yeah. you know the the writing um apologies for uh, placeholder token positions to say that are in his words like he's playing both sides he's he, it really is like i'm trying to think succession or house of cards like he's on this kind of level of manipulation right it's that's not an exaggeration um the, the whole pounding on the desk dude dude like you know, uh that's that's the guy okay that's how he's he's run the company so far and it's not even it's it's been too long that we can draw the dots that it's it's obvious now when the next one's coming up because it's like oh you've done this a hundred times we know you've done it so you're at the end of your rope in that that regard so i'm so happy to see him go essentially i don't necessarily think the microsoft acquisition is going to usher in a utopian era for the company but it will get them i think closer to the straight and narrow because my take on bobby kotick is that he was ruthless in how much evil he not only allowed but almost um it, it, i don't want to say incentivized necessarily but like like i feel like he was like ah boys will be boys let those cod devs do it they're making all this money sweep it under the rug like 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 that's 
there's evidence of him doing that. And you can see, based on watching these TV shows at least, how uh, that is how some companies are run, where, and Succession is just a great show. And I, I, I think, like, like in Succession, there was a, if you ever, everybody's watched the show, there's like a, a cruise ship scandal that gets handed down the line for the next guy to hold the bag for, essentially. And it, this is basically what Bobby Kotick's experience is with the scandals that he's taken part in. So finally, we can like put that to bed and just put new management on top. Like, dude, you know, your restaurant closes, they've been poisoning people. What was that? Sizzler or something that was doing that back in the 90s or whatever? Uh, new management. Uh, Phil Spencer said a lot of positive things and the truth about xbox and just microsoft in general sam said earlier that they want a return on investment i think they're gonna be patient it's like bobby needed a return on investment now for overwatch and diablo because it's like the company is bleeding the stock price is falling we better turn this around quick fast they scrapped half a dozen projects i don't know maybe four they had like a battlefield version of starcraft they had uh, all these other types of projects that got scrapped. Those are the ones who were leaked by Kotaku. And if you ever go to Blizzard, they always have sections of rooms that are closed off. It's like, are they just vacant? Or are they doing something in there? So if we at least put like a placeholder project there, we, they, we know. Oh, and then now that's closed. Um, so, Phil, well, I'll try to remember my point on that. Longevity. They just want Xbox Game Pass. So they're willing to take the wide... Uh, Jeff Bezos approach of losing money for a while spending money to bully out the competition and I have concerns about Monopoly uh, I that's this is the Microsoft playbook since Bill Gates you do some um, history reading on that like he kind of invented that in the tech era where he was trying to essentially be a, an oil baron with technology and he would just he, so they're running his playbook the Bill Gates playbook just at a ridiculous scale now and applied to gaming. So I'm a little concerned about that, but their so far responsibility has been better than the tactics that I have seen Activision Blizzard do. And Phil Spencer even specifically said in an interview that, you know, the PR stunts isn't their game, right? Like if they're going to make a mistake, it's going to be in a more honest way. It's not that they don't make mistakes. They make plenty of mistakes. But they, they're not, like, deliberately trying to rob Peter to pay Paul with their PR. I, I don't think there's evidence of that. Maybe I'm wrong, but I haven't seen it. Does, any, does anyone think, like, there's a Bobby Kotick playbook that Xbox or Microsoft have done? When they face planted, it's like, we're going to put a connect in every home or whatever. Like, it's, like, goofy stuff well, that <laughs> they can learn from. So they they need good titles they lost the war they lost the console war badly in the in the previous generation which is why you went out and saw them make these big acquisitions right because the, the irony of it all was you know microsoft was founded when you know or where it really blew up the first time was you know the classic you know i think i've mentioned this on the podcast the classic ibm story right where ibm told bill gates that people don't care about software it's about the hardware right and so he got to keep the rights to to you know windows and well here we are right um, but you know, the, the irony of that is, you know, that's kind of what happened with Xbox versus PlayStation, which kind of led to this, the, the big acquisition acquisitions coming in where in the 360 PS3 generation, both of those consoles sold about like, I think 45 million. I forget yeah, what Xbox the number was. Xbox One, 360. See, the 360 was like one or 2 million more units than sold than PlayStation 3. PlayStation 4, however, with their exclusive titles sold, I think 110 million units worldwide while Xbox sold 45. 
And what it was was, ironically, the games. And so, you know, that's why with this next generation, you saw them first make that Bethesda acquisition. And then the Activision Blizzard one, that was a crazy one. So I think what they really want, this is where Frito, I think, is right, is they, they understand that, look, you got to compete with Spider-Man 2, which just came out, right? you got to compete with uh, The Last of Us 2. These are Game of the Year caliber games. God of War, right? Look at how stacked Sony is with all this stuff, right? At least on the single-player side of things. So now Microsoft, I mean, they've got the fallouts. They've got... Where is Elder Scrolls 6, right? You know, I, I saw that trailer <laughs> in 2018. What, what is happening, you know? I, I don't want to play Skyrim on my X-Sketch anymore, you know? I want to play on, you know... You know I, I want, the, I want the new stuff, right? Um, but no, I, I think the key is I think they are going to go for quality because they have to, right? And luckily, yeah. they have the um, not endowment. That's not the word. They 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 have the they, they don't have to cash grab. And like Microsoft uh. is such a big company. Like I feel like you, you guys know, like Frito. I think you've talked about this. Like what's counted as a monthly active user and Activision Blizzard. Like if you logged in once, or apparently there was something where if you logged on Battle.net, I don't know what it was. Somebody made some point, so don't directly quote me on something. You know, saying they're doing something shady, but. You know, it was definitely all about min-maxing for the reports, right? That's publicly traded companies, which kind of yep. took away from a lot of the games in our opinion. I, I do think you'll see less of that because they don't have to do it. It's Microsoft, right? So I think right. what you're saying, when you say return on investment, you don't necessarily mean milking the franchises. You mean competing with the quality of PlayStation games, essentially. I, I think it's very or, or games like yeah. that. They right. want to be so, the leader. So, They're trying to create an Apple-esque ecosystem, it feels like, where you know how everybody, so many people just have iPhones, and then like, you end up with the Mac, and like they have like yes, their, so like, I think that's what they value. Yeah, so I actually did, I did some reading on this specific issue, like just some like industry in, like experts talking about this. And I think the way they laid it out, it, it is very much as you're alluding to, Sam. Because I think, I think what Xbox and Microsoft are looking at is concerningly, perhaps, the streaming model of like a Netflix, right? Which is fail. It has kind of failed it. Like Netflix is kind of failing, essentially. But a lot of companies have looked at streaming as like the new is frontier. If they you have, look at they like, have, they've been Netflix up and down. Is, Netflix is through the roof right now. Like been up stock prices way up. They they're they're cracked on on password sharing worked out like crazy. They're making much more money and they have more subscribers than ever. I'm pretty sure. Okay, I'll I'll, I'll that was a recent it. change though. They, they did yeah, have, it's been up and down. It's been volatile, but right, I think yeah, might, yeah, good, yeah, right, right. No, 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 that's fair. Like I, I maybe not, I'm not up to date because my parents actually work in the in the television industry, so they're they're always keeping me like informed and basically the the streaming platforms like Disney Netflix they're all kind of running out of money essentially to commission new shows so anyways that's that that's kind of here there there, there have been struggles right the, let me just paint the picture which is essentially what Xbox are going for is the subscription model right the game pass and i was reading interestingly that uh what Phil Spencer said is essentially he wants to prioritize engaged customers rather than necessarily a larger volume of customers so there's like an interesting discrepancy between PS Plus and Xbox, because Xbox has like multiple tiers of, of subscription, right? Uh, the Game Pass. And the PlayStation Plus has a larger subscriber count, but at the lowest basic tier. Whereas Xbox actually has higher subscriptions at, or like lower subscription total, but more at the higher tier. So the more expensive tier. So what they're trying to target is essentially like this catch-all experience where once you get hooked on, you don't want to let go. Similar to how Netflix started, right? It was like once we started our Netflix subscriptions, it became hard to let go because so many of the things we wanted to consume were on there. And I think that's what Microsoft are going for now, where it's like you add the Activision Blizzard titles. When the next COD drops, do you want to drop $70 on COD or do you want to just drop $10 for the Game Pass that month? You won't feel it, but over seven months have gone by and you'll have paid the return on investment and you'll keep going. You'll keep going for a year, for two years. So that is what 
would raise the concerns of Monopoly, right? This is where other game developers I've seen have kind of expressed concern because essentially what it does is it creates this all-in issue. Similar to, again, you might think of what Spotify has done to streaming music where album sales tanked, right? Because, well, you're not going to buy an album when you can just keep your Netflix or your Spotify subscription and keep streaming the music you want to play. So similarly, if you're like a game developer and you release a game for $40, $50, previously, if you were had to compete with just the COD purchase, maybe you can convince people that our game is better than COD. But can you convince people that our game is better than COD and Overwatch and World of Warcraft? And so that's the sort of the, the game plan, right? The game plan is the, the collective value of what Microsoft offers is so much beyond what any other singular developer could offer or any even other group of developers could offer, right? The return for the other side for Sony, I've seen analysts say that like, well, Sony will try and target probably a wider entertainment media. So they have access to like movies and, and other franchises that they are part of. And obviously they do their like their TVs and all that stuff as well. So they've got like a wider entertainment platform that they can provide that would allow them to compete. So in all these sen- in, in all these senses, perhaps if you're an, an Xbox fan, I mean, obviously I think we should move beyond the console wars, but that's easy for me to say someone who's not a console consumer. So a lot of the console war players will kind of feel like, yes, a W for Xbox and, you know, we will come out on top. I think it does concern the rest of the industry because of what I just mentioned. Like it does threaten to create a system where only a few studios are really approving anything that comes out. And that means a a lower diversity of the type of game we see and less chance that breakaway studios can find success. On the positive side, Microsoft have shown an affection for certain older titles. And I think, sadly, I don't think this will affect Overwatch. So in, in bringing it back to Overwatch, I don't really think there'll be too many direct benefits for Overwatch uh, other than what you guys have spoken about, which is that it sh- unshackles the developers. I I, I don't well, think... Go ahead, Sprio. Well, I, I, my guess might be that in an ecosystem that they're building, they don't need games to necessarily demand a milking the franchise necessarily right. like and they might is... not turn that around they might allow the game to be specialized and the funny thing is like the concept of monopoly i understand i know why it's bad but because games and gamers want different experiences there's more of an arms race that happens it's not like i don't know if you could even say that we don't get a diversity of games because even with this growing it seems like that's still the case like i think that's yet to be determined because there's so many genres and subgenres and indie genres and blah 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 and like like you know what i'm trying to say like i don't i'd have to see this actually happen to believe this like in theory you know the worst monopolies that exist in the states is internet local regionalized internet monopolies okay worst product higher price no competition that's bad but when the product is an online thing it's like i feel these studios have been incentivized to arms race to get more talent in terms of development talent into the fold so they can compete with the next guy so it's kind of strange the way this this one has panned out i think it's like i'm not sure i'm that's the best i can articulate of why it hasn't had the negative side effects we would necessarily um anticipate because i'm rather rosy on it i suppose so far at least from a blizzard fan it's hard not to be (laughs) it's got it's got to be better right it's got to be like at least neutral or better there's no way it's worse i think is at least from my perspective and you know i like for example uh, me and svb if you're a fan of the podcast probably know we're starcraft fans so like is there a world where we get like a 
reasonably budgeted StarCraft game that's on Game Pass and it's got a nice campaign. It's not, it doesn't need to be the Bobby Kotick sweetheart for DLC packs, extra skins, Warzone levels of success. It doesn't need to be that. It can be, and Blizzard used to do this. And the beauty of that is you get games like Diablo 1 or whatever. You get these like innovative games that come out that redefine a genre or push it forward or, or like, so I don't know. Sorry to interrupt, but no, no, it, it, you're you're correct. I like where you're vibing there. Yeah, no, no, you're correct. I, I I can't really say either that I have the expertise to understand how this will play out. I'm just trying to like provide what from my reading, try and share to the listeners what people have expressed their concerns about in the industry. Now, to the point of Overwatch again, to go back to that, I I, I agree with you that, again that the the thing I was gonna say was yeah, maybe for other titles that have been spoken about more fondly, like Spyro and uh, Starcraft there's a chance that there's like, hey, a new game will come out because you know this franchise you love, well, Microsoft will revive it. For Overwatch, I think the biggest benefit is simply what Flats you talked about and what Frida talked about is like just the removal of, of Bobby and his entourage, basically. It's just that from whatever conversations I've had with developers and, 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 and anyone who's had former developers, the things that have always frustrated them is the stumbling blocks above them. It's like the, we tried some idea and some guy higher up the chain said no. Or as famously was publicly known, Bobby Kotick's meddling in Overwatch. So I think the unshackling or perhaps just like to leave them alone and let them do their thing. Because I don't think Overwatch is at this point a much ballyhooed franchise that is going to cause a lot of attention where we're going to get an expanded Overwatch universe. Like I don't think in the immediate term that's going to happen unless something drastic occurs. The biggest benefit is that they might just get to do what they want without having to min-max it, as Frito said, without having to like milk every... Maybe these bundle controversies start to go away because the pressure to milk as much money as possible goes away. And one final thing I will note uh, before, again, I, I open the floor up to you guys is that uh, the biggest benefit this is for is just simply the workers at Blizzard. Because uh, another factor of it is that Microsoft recently, and they reiterated this, basically they have like this, uh, um, this is like a very like American thing. It, it's in Europe, it, it goes differently, but it's like worker neutrality laws, which basically what it means is you can form a union, uh, which is something that Activision have been clamping down on very strongly. Like they've been doing everything they can to stop the Blizzard developers unionizing or just Activision Blizzard developers unionizing. Whereas Microsoft have implemented this thing where they say, well, we're kind of hands off. We will not interrupt. And they reiterated that post takeover that they will not uh, interfere should the workers at Activision Blizzard want to form a union. And this would be the biggest union in the gaming industry. If they would successfully unionize, it would be the biggest union in the gaming industry. So potentially this would be a huge benefit for the workers who have been suffering the most probably under the whatever crap as we alluded to earlier that like Bobby and his ilk would do so I so I'm happy for the developers that I know and for the for the game that I love for them to just be working in better conditions if nothing else we can pretty much guarantee that it doesn't get worse than Activision and Bobby so thumbs up for them and I'm happy for them we'll see what it manifests itself for Overwatch and also 33 years as a CEO, that's unheard of. Like, that's unreal. Like, you don't ever see, like, I, like a 10-year lifespan for a CEO in one of these big companies is considered a very long time, right? Those are like Vladimir Putin numbers, bro. <laughs> yeah, like, that's, that's insane. That's Apt that's comparison insane. as well. Yes, yes, I think it was an apt metaphor. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anything else you guys want to add on this? Uh, Flats, you have anything you want to add? Um, The only thing I would really say is... 
I think I, I agree with I agree with most of what you guys are saying. But some small things are like, yeah, you know, monopolies and stuff like that. Totally, it's big scary. But uh, uh, one thing I want to point out is about a year ago we were we were having a similar conversation. I think, and we were talking about how like Overwatch will like truly never die, right? Like now it's like bought by Microsoft. It just has the resources. It'll truly never die. Uh, but one of the things that was brought up was Halo. I remember very specifically Halo was like, mm, you know, like they're giving it a lot of money, a lot of resources, not going anywhere. You know, hopefully Overwatch doesn't end up like a Halo situation. Uh, we're about a year from then, and it's actually changed quite a bit. Uh, Halo has actually made a like a like referation. Like it's just like completely different game now. Um, there's tons of game modes now. They listen to their community about armor. So like basically you can only use certain armors with certain sets and you had to like buy those sets like it was very like heavy microtransactions and the battle pass like it was good you could complete it later but other than that it was like very weird like people didn't like the way it was there wasn't like a forge mode yet it was very unfinished rushed people weren't very happy with it um but that's actually changed now um which is good for them and like apparently like their forge mode is like become becoming so advanced that like you actually have ai so people are like now having the ability to build missions, like in-game Halo missions in the Forge world, which is unbelievably, like, sick. Um, the problem is, though, it, it might be, like, a little too little too late because people just, like, you know, have already, like, lost out on the hype. Um, but I don't know. I guess we'll have to see how it, it works out in the next few months or year. Uh, but, you know, it makes me a little bit hopeful um, that hopefully, one, the Overwatch team gets unshackled in two, you know they're supported and it's, it's thought of as a good game and you know small little things are telling i think that not being mentioned in bobby's fun final farewell email but being front and center on xboxes you know like games that showed off of like you know like they made like those like the video and the posts about you know now we're all of these games combined and it's like you know they pulled like uh things from like fallout they pulled things from like all their other titles and the activision blizzard title was overwatch so you know Here's to hoping. Here's to hoping. Another thing that I, I don't remember if we mentioned so far yet, but they're in the limbo period. Let's say when Jeff was becoming dissatisfied, then eventually quit. Then they somewhere in between there, they made the Overwatch Two switch free to play, entirely different. There's gonna basically scrap everything they had worked on for years. Um, the lawsuit was looming prior to that, so upper management would have known it was coming, including Jeff, because they had to submit documents. Um, and then it came public in an article. Um, there was a bit of like trep trepidation, I think, for them to commit to a lot of things because is there going to be new management in a month, in six months? And like, are we going to have to? So they had to, the strategy was affected by that. I don't know to what degree it was, but based on piecing together public statements from people here and there, um, it seems like perhaps some of the strategy was just to get a minimum viable product out the door and i think we're all in agreement at this point like the biggest renovation to overwatch 2 was the shop and the monetization model and that was just to keep the ship afloat so i look forward to there being like longevity we're kind of admitting that it might have longevity so if you have longevity then you can cook something for a while whereas that was what blizzard used to trade on because they're like we've got wow it will last forever so let's spend seven years failing to make a game i think it was seven or was it six 
and then turn around in another like year and a half to make Overwatch. Like that that's the story of Overwatch, right? And when you have a broad base of confidence in your talent, you can make revolutionary stuff. But if you have a I need money now, then you you know, you have beg, borrow, and steal in order to get it. And that tarnishes your reputation. So I'm curious how that turns around and what tangible, you know, Platt said, talking about a year prior, well, in a year from now, what we'll be able to, because then we would anticipate, I think, because they, they said the institution of any new changes will be probably in 2024, obviously, and hopefully by October, month 10, if I know my months of the year, yes, I do. Um, we'll be able to like tangibly see Microsoft's hand in something. Like they used to do something that we always saw. Now it's changed. Whether it's how they handle announcements at BlizzCon, whether it's the monetization, I don't know. Yes, and it will be it'll be really exciting to see potentially. I mean, it could be as little as they've largely let the game carry on its trajectory, or it could be big changes that we can't even anticipate right now. But mark your calendars, guys. When the New Year parties kick in, Bobby Kotick will be gone. So. There's another reason to celebrate the next, the new year, 2024. So, yeah, hopefully we'll be talking about it in positive terms. Uh, now, you mentioned their BlizzCon, so I think we can talk about BlizzCon a little bit as well. Uh, they've already mentioned that they've got, you know, like they're going to talk about the new Tank Hero, competitive changes that they're reworking, and this uh, K-pop collaboration, which is a nice little uh, addition. So we can kind of break down each of those elements. Let's just start with the K-pop. I don't think we'll have too much to say on it, but... Yeah, like, uh, I don't know Le Seraphim, but is anyone here familiar with the group or, or any thoughts on just the, is this a big, I've heard it's a big snag. I heard they're very popular. Seems like 2016. Uh, what do you mean? They came out then? So they were no, popular No, no, no. It or? reminds me of 2016. Remember those, the Overwatch Lambos that were driving around in LA? It was like a <laughs> bus or some shit. Like there was, like Overwatch was everywhere back then. Yeah, the taxis, it was everywhere. Taxi. Yep. And they just kind of stopped doing it. They didn't give a shit. Like, they, you know, they were like, all right, it's over. So, you know, Overwatch is big in Asia and Korea and as well. And, you know, they're going after it. Is Gotta it big in Asia? Credit. You can't play uh, it in China, Flats. What do you mean? Well, yeah, yeah, I know. Is that still going on? Well, yeah, I know they can't play wow. it. I mean, people just flying away around. I'm, I'm slightly like, trolling you. Still, I know what you mean. But yeah, like yeah. it was extremely popular. So, like, so, you know, this yeah. is probably, you know, they want to they want to bring that life back a little bit, you know? Um, I mean, I, I've heard stories of uh, of Seagull telling me, like, old 2016 Overwatch, like, going to, like, Korea and China and stuff like that. And, like, it was different. Like, it was so fucking different. Like, you were, like, almost like a, like a rock star. And, like, we're, like, you know, like, nowadays, yeah, it's like, a, you know, maybe a couple thousand or a hundred thousand people know you, like, in... in then it was like millions, like many millions. And so, you know, K-pop groups is like a, almost like a, it's like a callback to that time in some ways, it feels like. So, hey, it's cool. I, I think Copying it's a good the Valorant strategy. <laughs> right. The Riot strategy. Or, or League of Legends, I mean, Riot. Riot. This is very Riot. Riot. Yeah. yeah, this is very Riot. And I think it, it speaks well to the, to the new demographic they're targeting, right? Like K-pop is definitely rapidly rising amongst zoomers and and not something that necessarily you know you anticipate well maybe boomery people like us you know being of the generation of but certainly above us as well so it's it's i think it's showing that like we're attacking the trend and the direction we want to go which is which is a nice one and like you said frida this is like this is very much from the riot and even like the fortnite playbook right of like in maybe like maybe it's going to be like an in-game concert or something we don't know 
but this is the kind of stuff they do and we've often lauded them for. Do you want to add on that, Frito? I am a fan of K-pop, but not like a huge fan. Like I like mm -hmm. a few groups. I like a mm -hmm. few songs. Uh, Korean culture has been something I've been more interested in after being a Blizzard fan for so long because obviously they were the best for every Blizzard game ever. So kind of through osmosis, I've learned the interconnectivity between America specifically because they they have an interesting relationship to our culture because of our time there and, and whatnot. And so the cool thing about K-pop is it's this like fusion of all pop put together. So whereas maybe in the States, we'd be more precious about the genres. They kind of just meld them together in this um, kind of cool way where because to them, it's all foreign as opposed to here. Right. It's like if you're into rap you're over here and if you're into you know britney spears are over there dated reference of course but um not so much at the moment actually not so much at the moment yeah. but, uh, yeah, <laughs> i'm not yeah. up on the news i, I saw a blur but i i don't know actually what happened but um i yeah it, i hope it bangs basically like the league of legends k-pop goes hard i mean that's a, a great example of just like it's it's kitty and it's like you know zoomer cool and pretend aggro but uh it's good i would say the the riot ones K kda i mean that it's catchy right and so i look forward to hopefully it, it being good i'll admit as you age as a man in korea actually there's a lot of men my age who go to the concerts i can't remember the name they have for him but like they shout out and cheer and i'm like okay <laughs> over here that's really weird but in their culture <laughs> it's like normal and these the, the girls oh, in this group God. look like just 18 i'm like that's you know i'm i'm boomer age <laughs> this is, I, I i actually i can't look at it. it it's like kind of uh abrasive to my eyes i'm like uh the you know the teenagers that's for you like i'm an adult now um I wish they got like Blackpink or something like that would be killer. Mama Moo's another good good group, uh, or the uh, the boy one. I can't remember what BTS. Uh, yeah, BTS, which also did tours in America, as you said. Which so anyway, right? Uh, yeah. Not a bad play by any means. I I hope I hope it's not like the miniseries budget. You know what I mean? Like when I say budget, I mean that miniseries they made was made like no impact more or less is the right idea but not impactful really like I, I, I almost forgot it existed until i had to recall in my memory what's another thing they've done yeah i don't want it to be like that that thing i barely remembered um right so right. optimistic right i've no, got an opinion on k-pop yeah, sam i was gonna ask you go ahead hit me what's this listen okay so here's the thing with k-pop Okay, and before people freak we out, we gotta turn I, our cameras off. Hold on. Oh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> all right, yes. The, the I have best no part association is I'm probably, with this. I'm, I'm probably under somebody else's name. Listen, all right. K-pop is pretty cool. Like, I think this is a good event. Okay. Oh, okay, but we're good. The fans, bro, y'all are cuckoo for cocoa puffs. These fan cams, they go hard. These people are dedicated. I've never listen. That's not a bad thing either. I'm not trying to sit here and say like it's a bad thing. Listen, if you love something. That's good. They're like the Swifties, dude. The Swifties are also cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Like, listen, if you guys got something you love that much, that's freaking awesome. But, man, I've never seen, like, they're speaking, like, another language. Like, Stan Luna. Like, what? I didn't, I didn't teach this <laughs> class as a kid. What does that mean? Can someone explain to me what this means? Like, what? I, I, need, to, I need to better understand the, 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 the hive mind cult behavior, right? I don't get it. 
I, I you know, I, I don't understand. I don't understand. So if someone could explain it to me, I would very much so appreciate it. I was because when I, growing up, like my, my dad played guitar for like 40, 50 years. So like I, I grew up here in like Allman Brothers, um, out the outlaws, right? Like Skinner, like the first like album I ever had was um was it second help? What, what what is that album called? It's got Freebird, Call Me the Breeze, Ballad of Curtis Lowe, right? You know, I grew up listening to like, you know, like Van Morrison, right? Like that's kind of like what I heard. And like the culture around those bands were very different like here where I grew up compared to like, you know, K-pop stands and stuff. So if somebody could explain <laughs> to me what all the craze is about. Like I, I have a hard time understanding Swifties and I, I have a twin sister. So like, you know, I, you know, the Hannah Montana's and stuff like that. Like I saw plenty of that. I, I didn't get that. How am I supposed to understand K-pop? Uh, you remember Be Believers? You know how Justin what? Bieber fans were used to the, yes, what, one they time were, were called they were, Believers? They were crazy. Yeah, they were, they were cuckoo. Okay. Like, good. It's fine that they like it, by the way. I'm not that on crack. Like it. <laughs> okay, yeah. it's like okay. that with death threats, basically. <laughs> yeah. Which is why we're afraid to it. show our faces among you, you ignorant <laughs> K-pop hater. I'm not, I'm not hating. I'm not hating on K-pop. Just a disclaimer I got off right now. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the sad part saying, i don't know the sad I, part is class that he was moved on to your section of the camera once everyone started turning oh, around. so it just says he just has he just has I know like flats. Flats. <laughs> he just has at flats overwatch so. <laughs> all the hate's coming your yeah. way I hope no, this I mean, clips from my end, dude. I got a big ass. I do not agree with Sam. Yeah, yeah I mean, this is definitely the most boomer thing. I haven't even said anyone. anything yet, Flats. I haven't even it's, said my take. It's the most boomer. It's the most boomer thing that's ever been said on this podcast. We sit on this podcast and we discuss oh, the intricacies of Batiste burst heel what, cool down percentages and we're like i just don't get k-pop fans man like this is like the I don't irony I, I like listen like is it like it's i just i like i've never been that adamant maybe dude maybe i'm just old like i don't know i it's good for you guys like if you got something you love like that's dope like i'm sure I, maybe i like k-pop like what is it even like i don't know Chat, know, if anyone I, I anyone it. knows K-pop, feel free to give Sam a schooling lesson. Sam, you can do a VOD review for K-pop. When you know, I'll you can review be... some K-pop. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I can explain some of this, if, but I don't know if it's useful. Like, I mean... <laughs> I, like, are we talking Rihanna? Are we talking? No, know, no, no, like... no. Okay, so if you remember in the nineties, oh, the okay, wait, 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 we, we'll do this. We'll do this off stream. Yeah. We're getting a little bit yeah, distracted. Off stream, off stream. Bottom line is, K-pop event is cool. I do think it's cool. I think it's. I like seeing stuff like that, and I, I'm sure there's going to be a ton of like overwatch like fan cams of 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 whatever the event entails and i'm not going to understand any of it um but good for you guys you know that's that's cool that's cool but you, you know you guys are a little crazy yeah you know but you know that's it's all good it's all good all good in the hood aren't we it's all, all right? good that's all good i mean yeah i mean it's it's again it just speaks to the to the next generation of gamers i think we're obviously we're of a of a bygone era now so we've kind of moved on from from what like these are the collaborations these are the ways that these things manifest so i, I think it's really cool uh i think it's a big dub i saw so many of the like developers really excited that they could finally share this uh k-pop isn't that big in the uk but i think it's getting there so hopefully uh these kind of integrations will kind of put Overwatch back in the mainstream as, as kind of was alluded to you know this gets us one step closer to like genuine netflix shows and Overwatch being discussed and not just like, oh, what's an Overwatch? So you make Overwatch content? What's that? What game is that? <laughs> so, a cool thing well, with the KDA one is there was like quite a few terms that were relevant to the game, but it wasn't necessarily like in game. They, there wasn't the character, they weren't rapping about the characters, but they were like, you know, it was, you got the sense that the AD carry would 
you know, flex with the the lines they were talking about. So right. I wonder if it's Overwatch culture is baked into it or if it's just a K-pop song that they wear Overwatch costumes or, you know, some homage to it. Like, I, I'm curious to what, to that degree they did. Like, I'll give you another, I'll give you a different example. <clears throat> a piece of media that blew me away. The Barbie movie. I couldn't believe the extent they were willing to go with how they understood the culture of Barbie to the extent of like having Nicki Minaj make a song about it. She's called herself Barbie in, 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 like for years, you know? So it was like, that that is like a, a you know, an overkill match made in heaven, in my opinion, whoever right. whoever made that deal happen. So that that would be like the peak of what you could do and make a banger song with with that. So the potential is there, I think, for for Overwatch for sure. But I, my expectations are quite low, <laughs> just be, based right. on the, like the other things they've done recently, which has been, you know, yeah, underwhelming. There's gonna be a, there's gonna be a lot of people playing Moira when that that drops. I'm telling you, I don't know what it is. They're all all the K-pop stands, Moira players. Everyone, every TikTok <laughs> is like a little Moira fan. There better be a Moira K-pop skin, or so people are gonna be mad, or a Mercy skin. I don't know. I, I'm there's surprised the Flats camera stayed on for that little little segue there. I'm not gonna lie. I was <laughs> honestly super distracted because apparently a video of mine went out and I've had 15 people in a row come in and go, "Ah, oh, there's no audio, no audio." So I'm like, "Ah, what? Do I, I can't do anything about it right now, man." Like, <laughs> so busy. Go, go ahead, fix that, man. Come on, fix, get to the program. How could you? Yeah, do exactly. That? What yeah, like, I'm a little busy. <laughs> so you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a phrase that I, that you get told playing tank all the time. Skill issue. Get, that's a skill issue right there. Yep. Get the audio going. Come on. Yep. Come on. <laughs> So also that apparently was... really fast. Yeah, yeah. Good news for us. Uh, apparently Twitch just announced that we can stream anywhere uh, at any time. So like you can co-stream YouTube, Twitch, TikTok. That's a big deal. All That's a big time. deal. I just I got announced that. right now, which is massive. I started that doing that cool. this past week. It was cool. Well, now you're allowed to. You weren't supposed <laughs> to, but now you can. And, and one place I'm maybe a, a place where you might be able to employ this might well be BlizzCon. So we kind of were talking about that. And another thing that they've talked about that they're they're going to release at BlizzCon is the new tank hero. And again, this rework competitive system. Now, obviously, we don't know what that's going to be. But do you have any hopes or speculation of like what would be good or what could be good of like either of those really like... I guess the tank, there's not really much point in talking about what would be happening, but what about this rework competitive system? Like, it's been a discussion point recently. Obviously, it all started with that SK video, I think, that she kind of made and, and really kind of brought to light a lot of the issues with the ladder system. And the developers have acknowledged it, but what what could be done? What do you think they'll do? Uh, anyone with... Uh, let's go to Flats first. Flats, you got any strong thoughts on... Because I know you've kind of... you Your video keeps popping up on my YouTube as well, reacting to SK's video, so... Uh, do you have any thoughts? Um, on like SK's video specifically, just the or comp just system because like... they said they're gonna propose they're gonna talk about a rework comp system oh, comp at BlizzCon, right? So what do you think um, they're gonna do? They, they've been cluing what they were gonna look at as well, like in blog posts over the past X amount of oh, months or it, whatever. I wonder. Do you want to set that to... context, maybe Frida? Would that be helpful if you kind of you said you they've been cluing? Do you have well, like, they're they're aware of the trend of the problem of right. like. I mean, they responded to SK's video specifically. So right. any rework they have in plans would probably correlate to the things that they said there. I can't say I recall specifically what it was because I don't have as strong of opinions about this as I think these guys will. I just wanted to, you know, right, inform sure. the subject. Sure. Flats, go ahead. W without doing so somehow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what if they... Like, like, what if... Like they heard SK's points, basically. Right. That's, that's pretty much it. Like, it's unrewarding. There's, like, some bait tactics to it where even though you're supposed to not feel the negativity of the card system until delayed, 
you still get stuck on a bad card and it still feels bad until you finish it. It's just, in my opinion, I didn't like either of them very much, but I realized that the Overwatch 1 system at least functioned for high-level players. So I just care about the matchmaking and game quality. The the shiny metal I get is like irrelevant to me. That's okay. it doesn't mean anything. Well, we can get to matchmaking in a sec, but yeah, go ahead, Flats. What if they do like this cool system where you like, I don't know, it's have like a number value, like instead of you know <laughs> cards in a rank, like it could be. Okay, um, that joke's been beaten into the ground at this point. I don't know. Um, it's hard to say because uh, Overwatch is. Okay, so for like most FPS games, there's three massive goals as like a company, right? One, make you play more games per session. Like how long you play the game each time you get on. Like the higher that number is, the better it is because more chances to sell skins, more chances for people to be invested, right? Um, I remember actually back when Overwatch 2 launched, that was why they were doing the drops all the time was because... Uh, they were trying to figure out if like doing drops like hurt their bottom line or help their bottom line or whatever, and it had like zero impact. It just like made people happy. So they're like, oh fuck it, dude, we'll do more drops. Um, so that's why like originally when Overwatch 2 came out, it was just like they were just like flying out the drawer the door for like uh, Twitch drops. But then they stopped it to see if it would have like an impact. I don't know, but it mostly had like a streamer impact. So people just kind of got annoyed. So like, oh okay, we'll turn it back on. Um, but that's like the number one goal for them is that because the more okay. The more the longer the people are playing and the more time they're actually playing the game and enjoying it, which means that they're probably going to play it longer into the season, right? Like every season you have a big influx of new players or not new players, but like returning players. And then it very quickly drops off. They go back to playing Apex. They go back to playing Valorant. They go back to playing Starfield, Baldur's Gate, whatever just came out. You know, like most most gamers aren't locked into a single game unless they're competitive. Like if they're very competitive gamers, like, you know, like, you get that person you see is like, oh, I want to get to GM someday. It's like that guy is probably only playing really Overwatch because like they're they're probably watching streamers, they're probably watching content, they're probably trying to like really improve, and like that's like what like they're all in on Overwatch because like you only have so many hours in the day. But by having people keep playing your game for more weeks, you get one, two, three shop rotations, which means you have more of an opportunity for people to buy things because if they're not logging into the game, the chance of them seeing the actual content uh in the shop is not good now you might be wondering why flats why the fuck are you talking about this we're talking about comp that's important because the whole point is to get people to keep playing the game over and over and over and i wonder if the card system was better than the old rank system because uh they said before watch 2 came out that people didn't play ranks because of anxiety and i would Actually, would pro I would I would like to believe that it probably helped with that a lot because you don't see the number going down each time. Now the anxiety is you rack up eight losses in a row and you're like, oh my god, what's my drop gonna be? And that's now paired with frustration, which is people's not not having the understanding of how the rank system works because it's cosmetic. It's not real. You get told, oh hey, you're bronze five. But your MMR is actually bronze one. So you play against bronze one players, even though you have a bronze five rank. So you go five and five and you don't rank up. And you're like, okay, that's one game. Then the next, you know, and then the next few games, you're in bronze three MMR because it dropped it a little bit. You win, you go five and four or five and three, and you don't rank up because you didn't get enough points in the background system to rank up. So you're now pissed off that you won your five games, you went positive. 
when you go positive on anything in life, the numbers are supposed to go up or the rank is supposed to go up. Like if money enters your bank account on payday, your bank account goes up. But if you win games in Overwatch, your rank doesn't move. So like as humans, we don't understand. We're like, why no go up? So they don't, they don't understand it. It's not their fault because the whole system is meant to be a little uh, ambiguous. Like it's supposed to be a haze of behind it to get you to keep playing. It wants you to keep playing more games over and over and over. But now I think the fatigue is setting in a little bit of like, this is getting insane. Like, I, I don't feel like I'm going anywhere. You're just sitting on a treadmill running on running in place the entire time. And it still works. And I think they want that to still work. But how can they adjust it so that it continues to do the job that they want it to do? While also not removing the frustration power because if they manage to keep their goal of getting you to play more games per session like even the top 500 thing like i personally don't like the 50 wins top 500 but it worked right like as a band-aid fix it fucking worked because now you don't see 25 games played you know rank one player you see 50 games play or 50 wins rank player, which means it's significantly higher, which means they had to play more games. They had to commit more time. They had to put more investment in it, more people playing on their main accounts for longer, which means that especially old rank inflation has kind of gone away in a lot of ways. You know, like you don't, it's a lot less often you see the super boosted player where it's like, holy shit, what the fuck's that guy doing? Cause he tried to play all of his games to get placed or move up. And then they dropped out, you know? So it got people playing the game again or playing more games per season, which is another good thing. But it still feels like shit. So uh, I wish I had an answer on what they're going to do. Um, but I would assume it's going to be something... I don't think the numbers are coming back. I think that's cope. I think they want to keep people playing the game for longer per session, but remove the frustration. And how are they going to do that? The only thing I could think of is you get a... a a rank reset every five games no matter what so like they've removed the wins and the losses like every five games you're either gonna get uh you know a thing that says like oh you're now in the top 36 percent instead of top 26 percent or it's gonna like you know just change where you are so you're getting more rank um feedback without the big uh oh i'm i'm three and 12 fuck dude what's happening kind of moment if you get I'm what i'm saying 14. Right. Yeah, because I don't, I don't think they're going to go back to numbers. I think that they accomplished their goal of getting people to play more ranked more often in Overwatch 2, which means people play the game more often. And when they play the game more often, there's a better chance that they're going to buy stuff. It has higher retention, you know. So, yeah, it kind of sucks, but it works. Right. So, like, it's a conundrum that we lose in, I feel like. So, yeah. Sam? It's, it's a... A really interesting discussion philosophically, right? Because here's the question. What, who are you making the competitive mode for, right? And the reality is you could say that what people are queuing competitive for in the low ranks, for example, is very different than what the people in the high ranks are, are going for, right? So, like, for example, as, as Flats was saying that, I see in my Discord DMs, I see Hawk, and I see typing, 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 and he goes... He goes, if if the numbers aren't in the system it, for GM1, it's dead off spawn. Um, so, like, the <laughs> high-ranked players, right, like, they all want to, a way more competitive, accurate system where it's like, okay, I don't really care if I'm winning or losing because, like, what Flat said, the people who are grinding for leaderboard, right, you know, it's 
they're playing more like their their intent is very different from the diamond or plat player, right? Who's just you know or gold, bronze even, right? Like it's it's very different. Where you might end up playing more because you know you're just kind of playing in the competitive atmosphere and and really enjoying it. So I'm very interested to see where they want to go with it. I I I'm willing to like I, I don't I think this current one could be better. For example, one of my mods, um, you know, <laughs> he sent me um a video. And he goes, I, I actually did it. I'm the GOAT. And it's him deranking from one card from GM4 to Diamond 2. And I'm like, all right, man, you got to explain to me how this is possible. And he said, basically, he hadn't been finishing his cards for the last couple seasons. And there were a lot of losses. And he went straight from GM. Like, I, I had to, like, look at it, like, three times. I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing, right? So... To answer Flat's point again, or kind of iterate it, you know, when I'm looking at the competitive environment, I'm asking myself, okay, why are people playing more, right? For me, like, I think a healthy, organic way to see more of that is, okay, people want to play the game more, right? They want to learn the competitive system. They want it, like, they actually, there's genuine interest in wanting to queue up and play. But I do think there's, like, a healthy element of balancing the system and how, how that works. So, you know, I, I think... An easy thing to do would be, like Flat said, you know, hey, every five games you're going to get updated, right? That way you get a little bit closer to that original system. But I do think something like the SR system should exist in GM Top 500 because, again, being tied for rank one is stupid. Having having the the deciding – I don't know if that's exactly a thing anymore. I'm not sure if they changed that or improved that or not. But, you know, I, I think everybody just saying, oh, we're all in GM1 at the highest level of play – that can definitely get improved on. Um, I think the competitive atmosphere should be designed for players who want to play competitive. And if you don't want to play competitive, that's totally fine. That's what quick plays for, right? But I think that competitive should be catered as much to the competitive scene as if that player who is logging on wants to be playing competitive as possible. And I still think you can maintain that barrier to entry at, at, at a lower level. Um, but I'm very curious to see what they're going to do. I'm not going to sit here and preach there's a lot of different directions that you can take it and i'm willing to see what they want to do with it first in i guess this system i'm i, I missed the old system i liked it a lot um but again i i think it's unlikely it comes back exactly the same so we'll see i yeah i i agree with that i don't think we're going to go back to the old system it's never been a way the blizzard do it it's usually they're going to find a third solution i wouldn't be surprised yeah. if they're it doesn't change effectively for the average player, but it changes for the higher ranks. Like a simple, for example, solution would be to just give everyone numbers once they get to GM1, right? So like rather than a specific SR number, they might just give you a, a, a rank, right? Even if you're like 10,000 at GM1, you're still like, I'm number 10,000 and like this guy is 9,000. So you know like where there's a there's a discrepancy, right? Rather than, the, rather than the confusing GM1. And a lot of other games have these kind of... Right, so that that might be like one way you kind of solve a lot of these grievances just on its own. Although that being said, a, a comp rework suggests there's more than just that. So maybe Flash is right that we get this sort of a more frequent feedback. It might be a case as well. We're just not privy to the numbers. It might just be a case that like as much as people do complain about these systems and they'll complain about any system, it's ultimately effective because while the biggest complaint is that it, it obscures a lot of our understanding, right? The whole point of the comp system is to obscure things. It's like you don't know exactly where you are how many losses you're on how many what the exact lobby is like like who's what i saw as much as that frustrates it might also actually just psychologically be good you might like because the loss aversion is such a big part of these systems right it's like just not feeling like you're losing like sure your card 
you like it is a horrible feeling when you're like I've I've lost eight games. This is gonna be horrible. But maybe that only seeing the number drop once at the end of your card is just better than it, it does. It does feel better. I find myself caring way less, but that might just be come up now. I, yeah, yeah, it's like fighting too. Like you will don't yeah. like you don't see the, the the peak checkers. You know, it's like oh, you only peaked out. You know, forty three hundred shitter. You know, it's like oh, we're all GM one asshat. You don't you don't know anymore. So I yeah, feel like so the. That part's gone away quite a bit. Yeah, and the other part that makes it difficult to discuss is the inherent mixing of this and then the matchmaking, which I know, Frida, you wanted to talk about. But, like, it's hard to remove the two, right? Because the comp system can work in a vacuum, but then if the matchmaking is matching people up into bad lobbies, where do you direct the frustration, right? So many, again, so many of my, like, chat will come in and be like, oh, I was in the lobby and I'm, like, plat and there was a bunch of masses in the lobby or whatever, like, how is this fair? You know, so, like, all these things are different to the rank system they're like the matchmaking issue and obviously balance comes into it too where like players climb in a certain season playing a certain hero the hero gets nerfed now they're shit in your game and making your life bad so Frito like yeah the matchmaking you, you kind of said you wanted to allude to it but is it, is it like a do you have like a fundamental issue with it or something you want to speak on oh actually no uh, I like Flats's point of uh, loosening it up faster queue times widen it out I think the balance just never gets, or just the meta or hero availability or whatever. Like we're in a whole other world now. With I'm gonna maybe this will be another bingo card thing, but with the support options you have, like at the launch of the game, it kind of felt like you either had to play play a very small subset of characters um, or be good. <laughs> now there's a lot of I don't actually have to be that good picks in in. The squishy rolls, I'd say for sure. And if you can default and hide as Orisa, there's also, I would say that's not necessarily uh, understanding what the role normally is. I, I think it's fair to say, like like when people say that we uh, are elitist, let's say with our opinions, I think there is a norm that we expect the game to revert back to. And it seems like they're trending it that direction anyway. So I always get pretty bored when we have these metas that clearly aren't going to stay because it's so obviously not good. And then it goes back to something else. And then you have this entire player base that was playing the game that learned all these skills, quote unquote, that aren't suited for understanding map control and dive or whatever. What is something that's more complicated, uh, the more complicated teamwork that exists as opposed to the shortcut answers you gain in you know, these goofy things. So I, I, anyway, you asked me about matchmaking, talked about balance somehow, but the reason is, is because I think like the variety of heroes that exist make matchmaking and ranking like kind of impossible. Like, it, you know, we used to talk about boosted mercy mains uh, as like a thing that people complained about. I, I didn't necessarily say this, the community would. Well, now you got mercy and Sam hates Brig and then, uh svb hates my favorite hero kiriko like uh, i'm over here playing bap and somehow he's more manageable in this game i will say he's not brings a little bit better in this game it's better for like oh fairness it's like like fairness not as game. it's not as boosted as like i just dual tracer and exist is yeah. right i would agree with that okay so yeah that's fair um but now we got bastion and and tor being too good and so I think that affects the matchmaking and rank system so much more than when you get your card or how they match the games. Because what I want, not necessarily is like the right 
SR for the matchmaker behind the scenes point of view. I want players that understand the importance of, well, if we pick Ilari Mercy, what does our tank now get to do? Hide is the answer, yeah. right? That's it. Like, like, and the community hasn't caught up to this yet because prior to this point, it was, there were some eras where it wasn't so punishing. I'll admit that. Like, I think they underplayed it, but now the gap between the reality of how crucial picking the right hero is for the whole comp and uh, how bad it affects everyone else's play. It's like smacks you in the face. Like they have a bastion. We don't like that's all of a sudden now everything's different. Uh, how you, how you have to engage that. And there's no matchmaking that fixes that. Like, because you could have a two rank below player in the match that you're intended to stomp that now can mark you by existing on that hero. And so there's other, there, while there isn't the Brig example anymore, that is synonymous, in my opinion, to other matchups that exist for certain heroes. So if you if you play the wrong heroes, like maybe I do, <laughs> uh, there's a lot of heroes that easily just say no to you. Um, and how does Blizzard match make this game? This is the game they want to have. They want to have counterpick game, even though they said they didn't. <laughs> now they do. They've balanced it this way. How could they ever matchmake or rank this game? And what's going to happen when the balance is radically different? Which I think it will be, because we've had radically different balancing <laughs> the whole year. It's gone from one thing really off Bastion Unplayable to Bastion Meta. No one saw that coming in a year's time frame. No one did, uh, except maybe hopefuls who are always um, off meta optimistic like me. Yeah, I'm always overly optimistic of off meta picks, but. Um, the the game is ridiculous. We have a a, a clown shoes <laughs> type type game where uh, the heroes are all over the place. So anyway, I I just don't. I, I yeah, I don't know if I have anything meaningful to add to the actual subject. So I apologize. That's the best no, I no. have to no. It was actually contribute. It, was, it wasn't concrete, but it was very insightful. I think or very it was very pertinent things that you that you brought up because I think there are all these there are all these elements. And you're right to say that like how can you like if you think about it. I'm not saying they should do this, but if you think about it, if they forced you to pick just one hero at the start of the, when you're queuing, your rank would be perfect, right? In the sense that, like, you could much more easily measure your competence on Reinhardt than measuring your competence on the entire tank role, right? Like, that would be easier to do. But now you create a game where you're flexing all the time in the game. Well, how do you measure that the vast... This is where, you know, you really have to have sympathy for the developers. How do you me measure the vast array of possibilities of, like, well, this guy is, like an 8 out of 10 on Ryan, he's a 5 out of 10 on Orisa, he's a 7 out of 10 on Doomfist. In this game, he's going to have to play this, that, the other. They're, they have a guy who's really good at Sombra this time. So it's, it's really... And I've seen so many games turn mid-game. I think that... I don't know if this, you guys agree with this, but I feel like a lot of games turn completely 180 more in Overwatch 2 than they did in Overwatch 1, where it's like everything's going really good, and once the stopping swapping starts coming in, all of a sudden, like the, halfway through the game, it's like a whole different lobby, and now the whole game has turned around. And I guess that only adds to the difficulty. It actually reminds me of something that you you mentioned earlier, Sam. But like, I, I want to let you go off a little bit. You were talking about has Overwatch Two fulfilled its, you know, its promises. And I don't think I would let you fully ruminate on that. Do you want to like this might be a relevant time to bring that up. I mean, it hasn't. I mean, it's that's not necessarily a bad thing either. I personally think it is because I always love the thing. I I always love the game when it was less about what you picked and more about how you played. And obviously. Both are important, but right now, like, the scale, like, you like to mention SVB, like, the, the needle, right, is way away from, way more towards what you pick, and I think that's just what the format has caused. 
Um, again, like, and again, to lay out what they said, you know, and what they were wanting to achieve, less hard counters, less swapping, more freedom of choice about how you play and what you do. I think play style options are more limited. I think like you're, you're like what you're able to pick, especially for tank is much more limited. Um, the, their claim at, at the start of the game that, you know, Hey, you know, it's, it's about what you pick. We want less hard counters being the game it, that just turned out to not be true. Um, that being said, I personally, I think it's the format. However, I'm very curious to see how that changes. If the counter swapping, maintaining ult charge thing goes away, there's more punishments for actually switching and like, there's actually risk to reward to it. But no, I, I don't think Overwatch 2 fulfilled the goals that they specifically stated the game was going to do. I think the opposites have. Like, heroes being behind the, behind the battle pass is an important... Uh, Alari has been busted since the second she came out, right? And it's like, look, I, I'm okay with that, like, the first two weeks, right, when the character's first out to get people maybe we want to play it more, drive more sales when it's in quick play. Like, look, the company has to make money when the game is free to play. I don't have a problem with that. I, I do have a problem with it, though, if it ends up violating like the direct quote is I, I actually have it bookmarked um it's like they don't think it's going to affect the game's competitive integrity i think alari being two supports in one for several months has absolutely affected the game's competitive integrity especially like i had some guy being like oh sorry i actually don't have this character i haven't played the game in three months and i was like okay so then he went zen and we still ended up you know losing that game but you know it's just limited options to players i i just that's a, a tricky, to be fair to Blizzard, it is a very tricky thing to do. It's not easy to do. I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, these guys suck. How could they not do that? Like, no, that's not, it's not an easy thing to do. But it has not been good enough either for, for, for this format. So I, I think it's, I, I would not say that Overwatch it to, I, I would say it did the exact opposite of what they claimed it was going to do. Yeah. I mean, speaking of like, you know, releases and stuff, we're obviously, we've got the tank coming next. Flats, I'm curious if you think like, Hey, do you think it'll be a, a continuing of this pattern of like, well, they they say safe side of strong, right? Their quote is, we like heroes to be the safe side of strong. They, I think they've learned that since Life Weaver now. I mean, do you think this new tank will be the safe side of strong? Do you think it's going to be like radically shifting? <laughs> or do you think it's just going to be like another tank that kind of like just slots into the, the merry-go-round and doesn't really change the fundamental experience of Overwatch? I don't know. I'm not really good at um, like speculative shit to be honest um like like that kind of speculative shit because obviously we don't even know what what it could end up looking like obviously and yeah of course you know the safe side of strong yeah it could end up being like strong at release or whatever but um i kind of it's it's actually so interesting to kind of think about because I, I, what sam was just saying i think is kind of right um that uh you know like certain characters kind of take over for a while but I actually didn't think Alari was that strong. Uh, I thought she was okay for a while. Uh, but the thing that was not taken into account was, like, people learn characters. Like, it take, gives them some... Like, you gotta give them some time, right? Like, everyone's not gonna be a master of a hero right out of the gate. Um, and because of, like, the format, like, the way our balance works is, like, we're always a little bit behind. Um, we're balancing off the previous season or the previous, like, month and a half ago or two months ago, and things have changed since then, right? Um, I, I, and I kind of... I kind of think that I don't think it'll be any different with whatever the next tank is. Like, yeah, it can probably end up being strong when it comes out. Everyone's going to complain, like, at first. It'll get dialed back a little bit. Um, and then I'll be like, okay, that's good. And then a month or two later, if, you know, if it's still 
the tank that's being picked and it's like oh well you know he's been running rampant for so long it's like well is it really running rampant for so long or did people learn how to play him you know but i actually think that there's a chance a less of a chance of that happening with the tank than it is a support because countering tanks is fundamentally so much easier than countering a support um so like you've been able to play alari for the last like what is it like two and a half months or so just like no problem or or, or sorry not two and a half months but about it's been about a month and a half um or two but yeah basically you've been able to play her the entire time if you wanted to you could basically one check her and like you know they're not swapping to winston tracer and killing you like that's just that just doesn't happen so um whatever the tank ends up being let's say it's like a you know let's say it's like a brawl tank well what happens when the brawl tank goes against the anti-brawl tank Aldrissa and they pick anna and if they don't have a shield they pick anna they so you're getting slept in anti like you're playing ramatra you're getting speared away um and they pick may and you get walled off right so it's like you know, I, I think that the the it takes a lot longer for tanks to be learned how to play be played like long term uh, because you can't get away with the same shit like you could on like DPS or support. So I guess the answer is like maybe. Yeah, at the start, you could probably be strong. Uh, everyone will probably instantly complain. They'll get a small nerf and then people will learn instantly how to play the counter versus it. And then maybe a couple months down the line, if they're still getting played, people are going to be like, oh, this thing's OP, you know. It's just, it's the cycle of life for us at this point. I mean, is there a way to change that cycle for you, though? Because, like, we've, we've all alluded at, at already that, like, there there is a bit of a lag between what is happening, then a few months later, what they add something and then change some things, but the added thing has already changed the state of things, and then we kind of have this double effect of both nerfing slash buffing while other things have also already changed, and then the whole thing goes out of whack, and there's a new problem that takes another two months to solve. Is that just the future now because of the way, you know, the, the cadence of it, the, the how the patches work? It'll always have to be this way, or? No, let's see what this mid-season patch does. I will say, at the moment, if a tank was added to the state of the game now, I don't think it would be possible for them to make an overtuned tank because it would add some area of exploitability, even if it's just dodge it or something, that... Or head. It, like like unless it's a Risa 2.0 or something, it's just there's no way that it, it's it's better than what we have based on how many interactions destroy tanks. Um, so I don't think that's going to happen though. I think the mid season balance patch is uh, I'm optimistic about at the moment. I've been the whole show. So once that comes through, I like so let's think back now that now that I've put that stake in the ground. I think we can pretty easily say that. For the state of the game at the time, when they introduced Junker Queen, there was lacking mechanics in the game. We saw her originally in the beta, if I'm not mistaken, or in that beta transition two. period. Beta 2, yeah. Before Kiri, which made no sense a little bit. Because <laughs> clearly, it, it it changes everything entirely if Kiri is in the game or not. Um, then after that was uh, Ramatra, who had the, you know, infinite ult <laughs> and whatnot. And I, I think, like... Tanks in general have a window and a lane for them to be very playable again with knocking down the things they said they, they should. So I, I can't venture a guess of what that world would be until we actually see the severity of those, um, you know, windows of exploitability. Are they going to go bold enough and just remove roll passes from, from the game uh, as a concept? Uh, by the way, SV, I wasn't on this show, but you said, like, tanks not being able to be CC'd easily just makes sense. And I think... We should be okay. We don't need a special term 
for things a character should inherently do based on what you your expectations of what that pick means for the game does exist like we don't have to categorize the powers and say well you know it can't be a flex support unless it does this it can't be we don't have to limit ourselves in that way we can just design each hero individually to do the thing we want them to do and when it's doing too much have them do less (laughs) uh and i thought there was a pretty fair trade-off for some stages of the game where like i think the the you know I got to GM playing BAP in that original, like, Zarya, Giga Zarya meta when people would pick Ryan for me. Because that's when BAP got his buffs, and he was, like, low-key sleeper already good, but everyone was playing Kiri, and I was, like, good at BAP. So, like, BAP was hiding in the wings a little bit. Uh, I'm losing track of why I'm even making this point. Um, anyway, ca- characters are waiting to come around. Um, the original thing, uh, my sickness is getting the better of me at this stage of it's the show. Right. It's been hours Can in. I I've, I've trucked along, but, yeah, go ahead. So I I, I think I think Frito is is right that it can be different and and correct me if I'm wrong here guys because again there were a couple of months that I missed but traditionally speaking I think the big reason as to why it seems like there's always something looming is because generally speaking in Overwatch's history this has been true they the approach they usually take is they would much prefer to buff something else than nerf the actual core issue right you saw this i you saw this attempted with brig where it was like a lot of beating around the bush 20 plus times beating around the bush at overwatch one right buff reaper buff reaper buff you know like like buff junk rat buff like you know buff buff yeah buff may multi-freeze right buff everything but like they wouldn't sit down and really take a hard look at inspire and like you know that which is what caught like inspire still is such a super strong ability that you know i'm bummed for you know, I, I posted my ultimate brig guide about a year ago to date, right? And it's got like you know, 150k views or something like that. And guys, the amount of comments I've seen on that, yo, I had no idea how to play this. They call it a champ, right? I had no idea how to play this champion, right? You know, and it's, it's this is, I saw one comment that made me laugh. It was like, you know, I never knew how to play this champ, but now that I see how to actually play her, I realized that I don't want to. And I thought it was really funny. <laughs> um, but, you know, like th- there's never been... You know, I, I I wish there was a better emphasis on properly nerfing things from the balance team. And I think that's caused because you're never really solving a core. For example, like what I'm so scared about with Alari is that they'll never address her pylon, right? The range on it is insane and its uptime is insane. It's like almost like an immortality field on steroids. It literally is its own support. And it makes playing Alari feel seamless and easy because you don't really have to worry about a whole lot when you have it up, right? My my freaking stupid, stupid brain did it uh, Laurie unranked GM and learned this and then deleted all the footage. True genius Sam moment right there. Um, but uh, just stupid on my part. But you know, it, it's it scares me to see them be like, oh, let's nerf the active part of her kit by five healing instead of like looking at the pylon, right? Like the same could be said for Brig. Like it felt like a lot of the same stuff was true for BAP and a lot of people hated including myself hated immortality field in, in Overwatch One. Um, I, I think the reason why it feels like that is because usually it's, oh, we'll buff something else, and it doesn't seem like the core issues of these, th- these things ever get nerfed, and I think that's something the balance team could really, really improve on is, like, accurately understanding how to properly nerf things, and I think if that's true, you have way more of, and you know what, I think that's why October 2020 felt so good, and, like, there were so many things that were viable, because I believe, I'll have to go back and look at the patch previously that caused that to happen, I think what caused that to happen were nerfs. I don't think that it was a big buff. I could be wrong, though, so don't quote me on that. Um, but at, the, at, a, at a general level, I think that it would be nice to see more attention paid to nerfs rather than just buffing something else. 
because you haven't really fixed anything at that point, right? You're, you're just like, oh, new shiny thing in front of you, you know? It's But, you know, eventually that adds up and you get back to where, I remember, Frito, you talked about it. Whoa, power creep's not real. Do you remember that in 2020? You had like 90% of the heroes had been buffed post goats. And then, and there was, oh, power creep's not real. We're like, we are in the middle of, I, there's a clip of me freezing an entire team at once as May in the double shield meta. There's a pull and I'm sitting there just, you know, just that's that's my Fitzy here impression, by the way. I, he always <laughs> does that when he's playing May in my games. Um, but yeah, it's I, I think that would help them a lot if they sat down like, okay, mm. how, how can we nerf this? But people hate it when they nerf heroes. So it's a little bit of, you know, that's what people hate, except for when it's Genji, and then it's okay, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, Rip I mean, so I, I know Frida's a bit unwell. I know I've taken you guys, got a lot of you guys' time. So we can, on that note, we can kind of head to the concluding section, which is just what we're hoping for then. Because we've got a mid-season patch. Now, they've said Hog will not quite come out for the mid-season patch, the rework. They're going to take a little bit longer. But we've got a Hog rework on the horizon, another tank on the horizon, support nerfs on the horizon. So in theory, as you guys were alluding to the start of the podcast, there's a lot of really good things that might actually improve the game a lot. So we might actually just, 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 and it's, as Sam has demonstrated, like sometimes just a few tweaks can actually open up the game a lot more. So what are we hoping for or perhaps expecting coming these next, you know, month or two? Uh, I'll go to Flats first. Flats, what are you kind of like, what's your optimistic side telling you? Um, we're kind of eating right now. Things are kind of fucking recovering, you know? Like, we hit the floor hard, very hard with the PvE stuff. Bounced off the floor a few times. But, um, you know, the the dubs have been starting to stack back up again recently. Uh, content's good. Um, they had a really good, you know, Season 7 Halloween. Killed it with the Diablo thing. Honestly, I saw people on, like, uh, on like Twitter or in, like someone linked to me like a Reddit post where like people in Diablo were complaining that Overwatch got more Diablo content than Diablo did. <laughs> um, so like <laughs> that shit's kind of hilarious. Like <laughs> uh, when other games are like, oh my god, the Overwatch got more than us. Like, whoa, hey, what's going on? This is a little different. Um, you know, Aaron, Aaron has been such a fucking pleasant surprise as a game dev. Like, you know, like he had the massive shoes to fill. With, like with Jeff and you know Aaron maybe isn't the best on camera you know he he's he's not he's not that good at it sometimes and that's nothing against him it's just like people are gonna always compare him to Jeff but he knows his damn shit and when he writes the dev blogs it's like you know it you know every time you read a dev blog from from Aaron you're like yep yep it's like he he's he's listening to everything you know and like would the old Overwatch team responded to SK's video no um would you have said that you know the balance team now is better than the old balance of overwatch one i'd say so i'd say it's been much better even though the format has made some some absolute massive difficulties we're kind of all learning together in some ways and yeah we're there's obviously big disagreements on certain things but it's way fucking better than it used to be like way better and um you know we have you know blizzcon coming up where we're supposed to see a bunch of stuff. Um, World Cup, uh, which World Cup has been a nice thing to have back. Like the prelims were fun. Then we're gonna have like the you know like the playoffs, I guess, like in the next like couple days or whatever. The the online stuff. Um, then eventually, you know, we might have that moment where you have another cool finals. Like the last one you remember is like 2019 Team USA winning, right? Um, 
we haven't had any big moments like that in a long time even and this isn't like obviously i'm not the biggest overwatch league fan not a knock of it but like you know nobody gave a fuck about the end of overwatch league you know what i mean like there was like such a small group of people and it's like you know i know they loved it and it's nothing against them but it kind of went out with a whimper you know and i don't feel like world cup has got that same feel i feel like more people are invested in world cup and it's kind of like those are like the small things you need to start kind of build back like little by little start building back um and you know constantly trying to make things better trying to make the game better uh obviously uh big bad bobby on the way out the door uh possibly unshackling all the things all the possibilities that once were i can't help but sit there and go you know yeah my role kind of sucks at the moment and i don't like queuing it up but everything else is pretty damn good right now and you know we always talk about the grass is always greener you know in games like valorant or apex or you know uh even games like fortnite which isn't like totally our thing but like something like similar you know you know fortnite is the the king of collabs and you know we had the one punch man which was cool but like you know it went fast then we have the diablo one which is good now we have the k-pop one coming up maybe it's a new era uh, of overwatch making its return I don't see any new multiplayer games that are on the horizon that's going to knock off any of the AAA kings. I don't see it. Maybe X Defiant for COD, but I don't. I don't think so. Um, be fun, but it won't be crazy. Yeah, it'll be fun, but like that's it. So I don't know. Uh, I, we've been in much worse spots before, so I can't help but sit there and be mostly optimistic about it. Yeah, obviously we'll talk about the problems, but like that's the point. Like we we you want to fix the problems, like. You don't want to. You don't want people to shut the fuck up about the problems because you shut the fuck up about the problems, then people don't care anymore, right? Like the people, like people caring is a good thing. So, uh, I don't know. I, I guess overall, we're much better than we were a year ago. Sorry, I'm not like the launch of Watch Two because it was the huge hopium copium train, but like you know, like Overwatch One going into Overwatch Two, and then we're much better than we were. I think six months ago. Six months ago, I think was much worse than even now. Uh, even though maybe more people were invested in the game because of the upcoming PvE. So, you know, the PvE's debacle's over with. Wins are starting to roll in little by little. Hey, uh, I'll just sit back, give them some time. Hog rework delay, that's okay, because you're working on the shit that actually is we're all focused on, the support stuff too. Hey, I, I got no problem giving them a little leeway. Good to hear that optimism. Samito, do you share the optimism? Um, I, I, I think Watts well, is pretty on the money, to be honest with you. Like, I think the worst of it's out of the way, right? Where ultimately, like, I think over, Overwatch is in a weird spot. I'm not sure if weird, I would say weird, actually. It's in a weird spot right now. And that, like, as until May, and honestly, you know what? I would say right now, because I think it take. I think... Overwatch is at the point where people are going to round the corner out, out of PvE because really, up until they announced the cancellation of PvE, um, like, they were still ensnared in the poor decisions, or whatever you want to call it, right? From the decisions made in 2018-2019, the Kodak era, whatever you want to call it, right? Like, I think for the first time since 2018 really like overwatch has a chance to be unshackled and moving forward i think that's a really great way to put it where it was it was forced to operate in the realm of what was promised five years ago think about how much how many how many things change in five years right a lot and a lot has changed since then right you know you, you have warzone come out you had to like think about how different the gaming industry is now compared to when like overwatch 2 
was promised um, five years ago. I think that the game's in a unique position, depending on what Microsoft has to offer, to really get back and capture what made people fall in love with it. And I think there's been a big disconnect. I think the one thing that people were mentioning at the start of this is like, you know, hey, all the content stuff's coming out is great. Like the media stuff is great. It always like has been for Overwatch. It's just playing the game, right? That frustrates people like playing tank or playing whatever. They're in a very unique unshackled position where now all of the old stuff's out of the way. It's almost like when your favorite like sports franchise team like was really good for a bit and then they have to tank really hard. Kind of like the Patriots right now. Flats, rest in peace, right? Um, my Bengals are back, baby. Look at him. You had your 20 years, buddy. Suck it up. Um, but uh praying on your bit downfill now. Unless <laughs> it's the Bengals, bro. We're gonna we're always gonna there's always a way. I'm, I'm a Reds fan too, so there it's it's only down. It's only been down my whole oh, life. That's tough. Uh yeah, I know. Um but uh you know it, they're they're any it, it's almost like you got a bunch of young rookies, right, that have a chance to really make the franchise like awesome, right? And I hope that happens. Like, I still like, I right now I would describe playing Overwatch 2 as like the remnants of like Overwatch 1, where it's like, you know, that core essence and like atmosphere is still there. I stand by my take. I wish we would have made a BR. I think a BR in the Overwatch engine would slap. I think it would slap so hard. Obviously, you wouldn't be playing the Overwatch heroes unless you wanted them to be like Jedi. I've said this since 2019 with Nathan. I would be, I'd play it instead of Warzone, right? Um, but look, like, that's the point. They have so many options. There's a lot of different things that they could do. And I, I hope that they get the chance to do it. I think Aaron's a great guy. Um, you know, I want to see him succeed. Uh, we always have here, right? Um, so, you know, I hope it gets there. I, I can't accurately judge, though, or put out a statement on whether or not I think that's going to happen. I don't know. It really depends on what Microsoft. I I can't know. I'm not a fortune teller, right? I'm not I'm not a K-pop stan who just knows the future, right? You know, it's 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 just <laughs> oh, God. It, it 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 is it is what it is there. <laughs> Rito, no, I, know I, I, I hope it ahead. works. I hope it works. Yeah, I know you're a little bit unwell, but do you want to maybe give your concluding on just you know what you're looking forward to. Uh, I'm going to make a prediction that some form of hero bands will come in 2024 because the next tank hero is going to be hero number 40 is it and i think was it 39 see it i could 100 percent see it because i think at launch of the game i said it felt like we didn't have all the tools required to you know express yourself in gameplay it's like certain roles felt limited support specifically um with the options they have now you have a bevy of options and dps has always been like that i don't necessarily see a new tank transforming the role and we're going to start to get to actual some, some more overlap is my assumption like just more like the main support position is the one that got the most surprising overlap in this past year with how they've um a lot of people assumed maybe it would just be flex support dominant but um as a lucio player it was a dominating experience for him to be crucial to the game at the at the launch but he's unpopular whereas it feels like anybody feels they can pick up lifeweaver for a very similar role or you can play mercy and so there's a lot of options there tank wise that's going to happen i think it's already happened a bit um but i i i think we know what an overwatch 2 tank looks like um and so now there'll be repetitions on those themes to the extent that we can we can have that. Uh, I read a comment. I wish I saved it because I don't know if this is this person's individual idea or if it came from somewhere else, but 
a reverse way to hero ban might be, um, and he didn't call it that, I'm calling it that, but a suggestion would be to limit the number of swaps you can have in a game. As into, and this is a whole other conversation, I realize maybe another day for this, maybe 2024, <laughs> we'll talk about this. But but just like plant this seed, because the counter picking thing is an issue. Partially they generated it with the ult transfer rate, partially by the balancing decisions they took, where it's like, this hero will dominate this hero, the stats will force it to happen. Like, that's what they've done. Um, so I would like to see those two things reverted. But even then, the playstyle divergence of, because uh, it's going to be hard to have a player have enough heroes in their pool to function if this is how you want the game to be. Again, we started the podcast talking about this. Players can only play so many heroes. I feel like this with Tank. It's like, I, I, I'm like, I got like half of them that are decent. But like, what, I need all of them just to function as a player? Like, that's ridiculous, right? It's it's, it's over the top. Small footnote on that, too. Go ahead. Uh, Maybe it's me. Maybe it is just me. Maybe I'm in my crazy Lala Delulu streamer land. But I feel like tank ultimates are not that impactful anymore. Uh, they're not as impactful as they were Overwatch 1 slash early Overwatch 2. So even if you got rid of the ult charge generation, a lot of times I will swap with ult because who cares? Like you're going to lose, you win one fight off that ult, then you lose immediately the next one because you're on a wrong pick. But it wouldn't just so, be you losing your ult either though because obviously the DPS can also swap and lose their ult. But I agree with you, Flat. True. I do agree with your point. But yeah, other people yeah, would also point, buy yeah. one support button. But both are good points. Yeah. <laughs> both are good points. I, I think just like cutting down how often everyone can swap though would be a general positive. Yeah. Which is also sad, Flats, that you're mentioning this, because what we align on is Tank's role is to soak damage on the front line, and the only way you carry at all is with your ult, and you're saying the ult doesn't even do anything. <laughs> so, I mean, like, of, how many ways can you cancel Shatter now? Like, you, at least 10 plus, easily? Oh, yeah, we, we, we don't play Rhine out here, Flats. What are you talking about? <laughs> That's not even a selectable Sigma hero. Is, Sigma, <laughs> well, honestly, like, Flux doesn't do shit half the time. You're not... You don't get five-man fluxes like you used to. You get one or two, and they either get cleansed in mortality field, or they get life gripped out of it. And it's like, well, there goes that. Uh, Grav, same thing, life gripped out, pedal platform up, Zuzu, immortality field. You know, if, if they all shoot at you at the same time, you just explode. <laughs> you know, you talk like Arissa, like, yeah, Arissa yeah, ult's okay, I guess. It's not really, like, that good. Uh, whole hog, lol. Well uh you know Lots, you, you know where you need to go to get value with tank ults oh god you was gonna mention it doomfist no doom ult sucks doom oh, i thought you're really gonna bad. make a joke i thought you're gonna make a no, joke no, no, about no. that oh no you need to play tiny overwatch dog oh, i'm telling you god. those eight man shatters and tiny overwatch hits different i'm telling you i'm telling you uh, no, no kiri in the game no kiri in the game it's oh great. there's no kiri for no, oh okay, it's not enabled on my code right. nope. no, oh, your code. Hey, i got a question before we go, I got a question. Has anyone done a tank unranked to GM recently? Yeah. I did a Ram one last year. No, no, no. Sure. <laughs> last year? What are you talking about? I'm talking about turret meta, dog, where, they, where they'll just go bastion on you. Good, about, good luck with that. I, I want one to. for this season. I mean, I like I like some, some sure of these. i like, done one. Yeah. Probably I'm sorry. I, I can see it happening. I, I want to see someone do it on Ram now, is, is my point, or Winston. I think you can, like, you I know, can do I, it. I know Boger did it. The thing is, they but, would do it because they're so disproportionately good, though. Like, that that's the problem, is that even now, like, GM1, now this is a tangent, 
But these guys in GM1, are like, GM, like, even GM5 is, like, easy for them. Easy. It's like they walk that shit. They don't even have yeah. to work. They don't even have to try because the gap is so big between yeah. them and the rest of the ladder. Like, they could do any, any... I think they could flex on the heroes they barely ever played and just do it. Yeah. I, I got a weird game. Like, Matchmaker, like, last season, there was, like, a week where it went a little bit, like, weird because, like, really long queue time. So they kind of, like... You could tell they adjusted the slider a little bit. I got, like, a gm5 tank player on the enemy team i think he had two kills the whole numbani game we still almost lost because like their dps were good but like we almost lost and this guy had two kills in like a, a actual 18 minute game because they, he just didn't stand a chance like zero you know so it's like it's such a it's it's it sounds so elitist but it's true you know like a lot of even Here's like the lower like gm players are overwatch 2 players like Overwatch 1 players that were, like, top 500 GM in Overwatch 1, you're just in a different class. Like, you're just... You'll never catch them. Here's one thing I want to add to that, though, before I want to go back to Frito, let him finish his point, is that outside of that, the rank system is very homogenous. Like, recently I've played, like, because of various roles and alt account stuff, I've played in everything from, like, Diamond to GM1, and basically GM2, maybe GM3, down to, like, Diamond 1, it's very homogenous. I don't know if this is just an EU thing, but, like, the quality of the play, the meta are very similar like sometimes genuinely worse higher up like sometimes i've gone into like ranked up and the game got worse like the people are just actually clueless so like, i i think like outside of gm1 the like rank system is a little bit it can go any way which is why i asked the question like is anyone doing it recently like i know there's a lot of other heroes that are getting anyway whatever just link me on twitter if someone sees a bunch of those i just think like season with the new tank <clears throat> <laughs> of course, I mean, so will everyone, I think. No, but I want tank. it now in the miserable tank meta. Well, that's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Frito Love is every Ryan. Twitch I'm viewer fun. ever because he's like, I want to see you suffer. I want to no, see. No, you I want to learn, man. <laughs> like, you know I'm what? struggling out here, man. Frito, if I can find an account, I'll take you up on that. Take Frito's right. account. Like, I know you can do it on Doom, I'd say. <laughs> like, like Doom's got sharing. the skill of TOS, you're cut. You're cut. True, it's true. I'm done. I'm canceled. Get, get rolled. Anything else you want to add, Frito, before I give like my concluding thoughts? You go. I'm optimistic, generally. Like, I, I think the... Uh, yeah, I said you go, and then I remembered what I wanted no, to say. No, no, you go, you go, you I, go. I think we're on the general trend towards actual Overwatch 2. Because the previous year was, like, Overwatch 2, wink. Like, it was like, eh? It, remember the thing we set up? Was, eh? It's coming. PvE's coming still. Eh? And, and we realized we've been uh, disillusioned by a lot of things. And now we know what this game is, and the... New management, as well as the new leadership, I think is now fully in control. So yeah. no excuses anymore. Like I have kind of, I'll give the last year like a pass for the negative points, but we're at like a, a good stage looking to be in a better stage. Because I feel the new mechanics, I started off saying hero bands, right? I, the new mechanics are awesome. Like as far as gameplay diversity in a shooter game, Overwatch is never going to get the credit it deserves for this, but we like Ram and Joker Queen and, and like all these heroes, like what game is doing it like this? Like these, the mechanics are very fun in the game. Just let us like interact with them instead of have the no buttons that exist uh, in two. We can tone those back and th then the game will be good. I think like I, 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 a lot of versions of the game I've had fun, but um, I, I like, Oddly enough, like I was trying to say earlier, the game is technically balanced in a way. It's just also a bit too easy is all. So once that's fixed, I, I think I'm pretty happy. Um, more content, more more characters, just keep adding them. And uh, I, I have to imagine that there's got to be a way to thin out the roster, though, because the 
especially if they want counterpicking to be anywhere remotely as powerful as it is um to, to, to limit it no no one really commented on the uh limit the number of swaps idea maybe we'll, we'll talk about that later but well, something yeah, like, like that they, they got to do now. something like that because the whole like ring around the rosy of swapathon for everybody is it, it just it it, it adds it doesn't benefit the gameplay really beyond the casuals who feel empowered by winning easily by knowing a couple heroes that are overpowered like that's anyway we've said that earlier as yeah, well, yeah. But that's my, my closing thought I mean, I would obviously welcome Hero Band. You know I would. Uh, my gut instinct is that even if Blizzard did implement it, it would be some wonky third way. I, I see zero chance that they're going to turn up and be like, here's a very straightforward ban system. It would just be something really goofy. Like, honestly, the sw limiting swaps would be more likely than just a straightforward 10 seconds at the start of the game ban a hero because I just don't see them doing it the straightforward way. Yeah. Um, don't do that. Don't do it. It's gonna be the same thing. It's just gonna end up this. It's just who you're gonna lose the rock paper scissors later. It's just, it, it, I don't know. I don't like that. I think it's better we'll with hero bands. We'll see what they do. We'll see what they. Do. I mean, I, I don't. I don't know whether I'll be delighted, but I don't know whether they will or not. I think what I will say is I, I will say I think I'm a little bit more pessimistic at the moment in terms of my faith in the balancing of the game in particular. But everything outside of that, I think, is going really well. Which again is odd to say, but I think should be acknowledged because. It is like a game development is so much more than just the balance. Obviously, the balance is perhaps what we concern ourselves with the most in the gameplay. But there are so many W's outside of that that I think should be, you know, lead to a potentially brighter future, which these guys are all alluding to, even outside of the Microsoft takeover, which could be great. But like we said, just the removal of Bobby, the K-pop collabs, finally the burden of PVE being lifted, right? That is a huge thing. I think finally, like, the developers can move on from the burden of having a developer yeah. to, to develop the PV, and they don't have to pretend anymore that there's like some promised land coming. They can just kind of do their thing quietly, and it, people won't have sense. people won't have this this like expectation that it has to break and define the genre or whatever. So that I think will be, I hope, a huge load off of their minds. That should make making cool stuff for the game easier. Uh, and they they have been iterating well on on you know slowly but surely they're giving more ways to earn skins and buy old skins and i know people get upset when they bring old skins back but i think it's good that you get more opportunities to buy things you missed out on so i think all those elements are great and the skins again great i know there's controversies i will always forever be against the bundling of stuff to like so that it's not exclusively purchasable i think that's bad but generally i think there's a lot of cool shit going on do i think they're gonna fix the balance i remain deeply skeptical i i my expectation is it will just get worse in a different way but hey, if they make it fun, I'll be thrilled. Because I actually agree with Frito that the hero design is fun. Like, oh, the hero design is fun. It's just the way they manifest it. It's usually they crank that shit up to Narnia and just make a hero like Giga overtuned version of what it could be, like Life Weaver. It's like buff five aspects of his kit to make him like a Giga version of Life Weaver. So I hope it'll be fun. And I'm excited for BlizzCon. I hope I'll see all of you guys there. Uh, so it'll be fun to hang out. Maybe we should do a, a group up live at BlizzCon, see what they, they've uh, told us about. But uh, I'm optimistic to see what this new tank is. I hope it's cool. And I hope we'll all enjoy it. And I hope Roadhog is a new tank too. So thank you very much, Flats, Frito, and Samino. As always, the squad, the Avengers, for giving me so much of your time. Fellas, you want anything else you want to say before we let you get going? Uh, thanks for having us. Use code Manscape or uh, use code Overwatch at Manscaped.com. <laughs> off and free international shipping. So and subscribe to Flats. Let's sending go. Sending you an invoice. All right. Well, thanks, fellas. Have a great rest of your day. Peace out.
you guys. See you later.